everybody, and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 144th episode of the podcast, airing September 21st, 2022. Now, in this episode, I'm delighted to welcome special guest, Nicholas Polimanakos, to join me on the program to chat about Libra Equinox season 2022. Now, Nicholas and I do an in-depth treatment on this pivotal season that is leading us into a powerful set of eclipses that are just around the corner. First, we take a look at the Libra ingress chart for Washington, D.C. to identify what themes will likely continue to play out for the U.S. over the next six-month period. We then go on to walk step-by-step through the season's astrology, which includes a Jupiterian Libra new moon, a Chironic Aries full moon, Mercury, Pluto, and Saturn stationing direct, Sun, Mercury, and Sun, Venus, Kazemis, and much more. And so, you know, the cosmos is ripening a kismet setup. So saddle yourselves up and get ready for this life-shifting ride. Now, to connect visually with the astrology as we step through the charts, you can tune into the video version of this episode on YouTube. Now, if you'd like to support this program, feel free to come over to energeticprinciples.com where you can book a personal consultation with myself, or you can uh, leave a one-time tip in the tip jar. And you can also sign up for my monthly transit newsletter, The Heavenly Wind, which will have its next installment going out on October 1st. And it is a meaty newsletter that is packed with all sorts of goodies to keep you uh, in the know for the month ahead. Now, of course, uh, I would like to share that I do have a three-month hotspot personal consultation that is just kind of perfect for these months ahead because we do have a lot of action in the skies with the upcoming eclipses, the Mars retrograde cycle, uh, and much more. So if you'd like to connect with your personal astrology beyond, you know, the kind of mundane readings that we do here in the program, come on over and book a personal consultation. All right. So who is ready to hear all about this year's Libra season? Here we go. Now let's meet our guest. All right. I'm so happy to welcome to the program. We have a new guest with us here today. We have Nicholas Polimonakos with us. Thanks for joining me, Nicholas. Oh, thank you, Melissa. And you got my name dialed in. It's a (laughs) challenge. We worked on it. (laughs) We worked on it, but it didn't take long. So yes, it's good to be here. Uh, thanks for having me on. So yeah, absolutely. Um, so what? I'm excited to have Nicholas on the program here today to talk about Libra Equinox season 2022. You know, it's I, fall. It's already here. What? Where's this year going? It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm staying in Portland, Oregon these days, and the summers are warm and stuff, and I'm just not quite done Mm. with it yet i I don't (laughs) want it and then but i'm a but in general i'm a big fan of a fall in general and and because of uh, things are so visually um uh, in front of you with change yeah so you know if you're living in the part of the world that that you have the the trees and the leaves falling and, and the wind blowing through and the clouds moving fast you know, I'm a, I'm, I appreciate that. Um, but just, just give me a couple more days of heat. <laughs> just before you, before we turn over here. Well, you know what? Yeah. These climate these days, you might just get that. Yeah. You, you know, yeah, you know totally you, we really don't know. <laughs> yeah. Totally. 
So we're going to talk all about the fall season. Of course, it's fall if you're in the Northern Hemisphere. I know we have some listeners in the Southern. So, you know, happy spring coming um, there, which always blows my mind, to be honest. Um, uh, But we're going to talk about the equinox. We're going to talk about Libra season as a whole. We know Libra season is definitely leading us into some big astrology that is coming uh, later in the year. But before we get started here, because Nicholas is new to the program, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Let the listeners know who nicholas is well nicholas that's me oh. is first and <laughs> foremost a human being on this planet um <laughs> i will say that um which means i am faulty and i'm mm. proud of it and i will let the listeners know one part of my chart i am a gemini and uh, uh i've been in the pacific northwest for a while and i've been studying astrology for, oh I, so i'm going to date myself here but it's got to be 25 plus years i've been on the professional angle for at least uh 2008 2009 and um and i love it and i love helping people one on one i also have had a foot in the astrology community itself with conferences and other interesting things, organizations. I just got done uh, helping put on the ESAR conference that was outside of Denver. Uh, just got done doing that. It was a year of work in the making, and it was good to see everybody, all our colleagues, um, so on and so forth. And I also have my own YouTube channel, Sparkles of Gold Astrology, and a podcast that I started this year too called the Sparkles of Gold Astrology Manifesto. Oh, yes. manifesto. I just had to. I just had to do it. I just had to do the manifesto part. I even <laughs> used font. I even used font on the artwork that just kind of looked like it was graffiti-like spray-painted on a wall somewhere. So, uh, yeah, but that's me. And, uh, um, yeah, that's my brief info background. <laughs> Love it. Mm-hmm. And if you've been to a few conferences, especially Norwalk, you might have ca- yeah. caught Nicholas in, in of all places. Where would you find the Gemini? In the bookstore. <laughs> in the, that's right. I forgot to say that. Thank you, actually. Yeah, because my history there with Norwalk was, was been helping out on many different levels. And for years, it was working in the bookstore there and helping with the audio recordings uh, that Greg Nalbandian runs the audio recordings in the bookstore. Him and Patrick Carrick, I've worked with them in the bookstore for years and uh, small and big conferences, but at Norwalk and love that part of the astrology world, uh, astrology books and, and literature. And have, I've learned a little bit over the years. And so I'm pretty good at, <laughs> at guiding people, you know, like, tell me what you're into. And I like, you know, in Hermes fashion, point them, point them where to go. And, and, uh, so yeah, thanks for reminding me of that, Melissa. Yeah, well, you know, when you got once again, when you're when you're Gemini and you got your your hand in so many cookie jars, <laughs> yeah, you might forget the ones that you're, uh, you know, um, no, fully. But yep. I think that's the first place I ever saw Nicholas was in the, was in the bookstore there, and uh, you know that is very helpful because there are a lot of astrology books out there, and I know, I mean, I walked in and was so overwhelmed of like, oh, well, which one? what do I need? What should I gravitate to? You know, like, so to have Hermes just sitting there knowledgeable, knowing where to guide you is, is very valuable. So. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Yep. Well, uh, it's good that we have Hermes with us here today too, because we've got a lot to talk about, a lot to navigate through. Um, and so, yeah, we're moving into Libra season. Uh, this is our uh, bi 
yearly equinox. Um, Libra ingress is going to happen on Thursday, uh, September 22nd, which uh, I think this podcast will air maybe like a day before that. So you're probably listening to it around the equinox if you're if you're in there right away and you uh, get this podcast right when it releases. Um, but, you know, this is equal day, equal night with, with the equinox and with Libra season, uh, which is cardinal air, we have a focus, uh, at least a solar focus uh, coming on to Venus there. So uh, that's some big news with the Libra ingress. Uh, we also are going to have a new moon in Libra, which is going to be opposite mm-hmm. Jupiter retrograde. So I think that is another uh, interesting uh, lunation to talk about and has uh, kind of a background in some of the lunations that have come before, especially in June and July there. We have a, a full moon in Aries, which is always a party uh, with a <laughs> slow Mars squaring uh-huh. Neptune. So we'll be talking about that. Uh, we have cardinal corners, corners, <laughs> cardinal quarters. And so life really tends to move along when we have cardinal energy pushing us forth. Mm-hmm. Um we got three stations. We got Mercury going to station direct, Saturn and Pluto all stationing direct. Mm-hmm. Um, and we start Libra season on a Sun Kazemi with Mercury, and we end it with a Venus Kazemi on the Sun. So, wow, what a what a month! Um, so, I mean, Nicholas, where do you want to start? Do you want to do you want to talk a little bit about just the equinox in, in general? Uh, yeah, yeah, we equinox? can start. There. What one do you thing, have to say? One thing, one thing that's you know just right there, I think, with us while we're doing this recording is you know what's happened in the last twenty four hours with the Mercury Jupiter opposition. Yeah, and you know, I, I, in a sense. It's a, a, a chapter in the story because you mentioned we have new and full moons. Jupiter is involved in a lot of this. So I, I, you know, to give those listening and watching, like I like to look at things as a story in an opera mm-hmm. and, and I, and with transits and, and, you know, sometimes we hear about important transits that happens on this day or this week, but there's always uh, chapters before and after. And I like to talk about those chapters because it gives you a sense of like, you're in the story and that, it, that one part of the story doesn't make up the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And it's something, if you can understand and look at things that way, then you could feel that you're part of the story and part of the changes. Like, oh, I remember last week when, or this time when Mercury and Jupiter had their opposition and what was happening with communication and Jupiter influencing that and the big ideas, so on and so forth. And maybe they weren't flowing. But here, when we get to the next chapter, let's say, with however Jupiter is involved, you can tie it in uh, to the aspect before. So... Uh, just just want to say that out loud. And when we're looking at the, uh, just in general, with a seasonal change yeah. and it being cardinal, um, you know, I, I think there's this, out, at least in the Northern Hemisphere, there's this outwardness that happens because of summer and, be, and, and uh, pushing out into the, into the world, put an expression and so on and so forth. And you find yourself doing that by yourself or you're doing it with others. You get to the last mute, the mutable sign here, you know, summer is ending with Virgo. There's that transitional point of you're still kind of outward there, but you start to look within. Mm-hmm. And when you get to something like the equinox, you're kind of doing, you kind of have the recap that happens with yourself within. And then you take that somewhere else. And where do you take that? You get to a place with Venus and Libra and you start to relate 
to others about it. And maybe you get to hear about their recap, you know, and, and that's the way I, I kind of look at it. I look at it in, in that sense. And, and when Venus comes in and you're about to share something, you're about to have a conversation and so on and so forth. And, and speaking of, you know, conversations, um, we've had a precursor, a chapter here before the equinox. And it is the Mercury retrograde and it is Mercury being in Libra right now. So we've already had some Libra to, to, to guide us through here to, to introduce this equinox. Um, and, and the, the sharing of what's happened pretty much the last three months. Um, so that's one way I think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the Mercury is definitely telling a story here. Mercury has, has foreshadowed quite a bit of Libra more than I would have liked to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is, this is a coming from a, a 12th house Libra place on <laughs> my chart, but, um, I think you're absolutely right about the idea of chapters and especially, I mean, this is a unique year. I mean, I'm like, this is a unique year. Actually, the last three years have been unique years. But um, playing into the whole, uh, the Mercury piece that we're in right now, and of course, Jupiter still in uh, Aries, which, you know, Jupiter and Aries, this is a big chapter change just in general for for everyone. You know, you you hang out, you know, the the planet of forward momentum and growth hangs out in the, the first sign in this initiatory energy. Of course, and just giving us precursors, right? You know, because it's going to do its its main mm-hmm. uh, thrust <laughs> through Aries next uh, uh, winter and spring here. But um, there are a lot of chapters that are turning all over the place. Like, I mean, yeah. all in the client work, all my friends, you know, I'm just watching it. Um, and the Mercury-Jupiter opposition that is currently underway and will have its third pass actually during Libra season once Mercury stations direct and goes back into Libra um, is really a lot of, uh, I don't want to say foreshadowing because it's not, I mean, it is foreshadowing. There's a lot of uh, energy that's going to go in with that Mercury action into Mars retrograding, which is going to happen in Scorpio season. But Libra is kind of this in-between point which makes so much sense for Libra just in general, right? I mean, it's the sign of of balance and this kind of like, oh, yeah. where's this going? What's out what's out of whack here? What what needs more? What needs less? What's fair? What's not? You know, it's just kind of like dance uh that comes in with the seasons. Um and what better time for that when we are changing pace and we're shifting these chapters. We kind of we're just it's like an interesting feeling it out. Um, which feels very Venusian to me. I mean, we think of feeling being like maybe the more of the moon, but you know, yeah, there's a receptive state that comes. Yeah, it's it. a receptive state, and it's that I think then inherent of uh, state to want to harmonize. Yeah, you know, especially when you're coming from a mutable sign, the Virgo, or it's a, a mutable sign always end the season. So then you're coming into the cardinal, and then you're wanting to find some harmonization. That's what Venus is in the end. However, it's done, whether it, it really it flows or not, it's for manipulative reasons, because let's be real here sometimes <laughs> with Venus and, and Lyra. There is that game. There is that chess game, the politics of relationships, mm-hmm. that, that type of thing. But, but to take a step back, you know, just the inherent feeling of like wanting to harmonize. And not only that, uh, at times uh, it, it's you in the world, you and whatever's outside of you and feeling that out and, and understanding. And then, then a lot of times can't help it being human. It's incorporating other people, other human beings. 
They're there. And, yeah, they're there. <laughs> and and so it's like, how do you and I, like right now doing this this podcast, this this show, you know, how we're finding our way with each other here right now and feeling each other like, hey, what do you think? Or what do you think? How do you feel about this? By the way, here's a glass of wine. <laughs> you know, and I'm saying this sort of a joke, but I'm actually is a tool. Because if we're if we're in a current Mercury and Libra retrograde and we have this this uh, equinox happening and then and uh, Venus is there behind it all, we're talking about what Venus wants to do and it's harmonize. Find the tools to help you harmonize. You know, sometimes the glass of wine does help. You know, and and sometimes you if you're lucky enough, I'm looking in the background here. I'm seeing the stereo equipment. I know you have a turntable back there somewhere. <laughs> uh, I just got one in the mail today. Why did I order a turntable? I this is the reason I needed to hear the scratches of the needle hitting the vinyl, because to me, before the music starts, I I'm t- just in that moment I'm starting to take myself somewhere. Mm. So just as Venus has her way, when it's not just with words, it's what Venus does with their senses. And, and mm-hmm. how they apply that and how you do that and how you do that with other people. And I, I again, it's important to talk about this in the most simplistic way, I think, because things can get super complicated in our lives, emotional. We got these stories and the transits. But, you know, what you can do as a person, as a human being, the power that you have with yourself and other people. And if you're using Venus as a vessel is to run through your senses. And then you have it in, in, in Equinox and in Libra. It's not just like the the venus and taurus were sitting in the backyard uh smoking a joint and eating <laughs> too many brownies it's not necessarily like that if there's something else to it there's something else uh, uh because of it being an air sign that that the mind comes into play and with mercury and libra right now in retrograde even though retrograde this is a major focal point so still i think you can uh use uh, your senses to hone down conversation to to corral things up and to go back to what how you were talking about this in the beginning Melissa of like hey what about this or what about this side or how we're going to feel this out you know and, and you, you so it's not like what the moon is feeling but there is something um that happens through our senses that does hit our our, our heart in the end mm-hmm. um and and our heart isn't purely it's not mental no it's not. We think know. it is occasionally. <laughs> yeah, we think it is. But, <laughs> but it's not. Yeah, that's that word, think. think. Exactly. Yeah. We think it is. But, well, and it's such an interesting thing too, having Mercury, um, and this is playing out in the equinox. We're going to take a look at the equinox chart mm-hmm. here in a second for uh, Washington, D.C. But one of the things that's interesting as we start Libra season, right? Because uh, Venus is on, is going to be on the coattails of the sun very soon. Because as I mentioned in the kind of the outline, as we started, uh, Libra season is going to end with a sun Venus conjunction. Um, so Venus is actually starting out this, (laughs) this whole transit in Virgo, which we know by dignity, you know, Venus is a little it gets heady there, right? Because that's the idea of Venus. Uh, you know, Venus, as you said, is a very sensual. She kind of like feels things out, touches it, tastes it. Um, and in a Mercury sign and in an Earth-based Mercury sign, there's there's a more of a practicality there. There's more of an intellectualization when it comes to mm-hmm. uh, just working with other people, um, romance, you know, anything has to do with Venus and Mercury both. Uh, but when you're, when you're talking about like 
coming together with what's outside of you. And especially in this moment, as we get to Libra season, the first word that came to my mind was humility. Cause hmm. I feel because yeah. we're, we're all going through all these things right now. And there, you know, I, I have not talked to one person that hasn't said in the last week or two that life is just throwing them things that are just like, what? Yeah. What, what is going on? Um, and I feel like Venus is giving a, I feel like oh, tapping into the Venus harmony action actually can come from a place of maybe humility right now. <laughs> just yeah, the, the Virgo I, I, side. <laughs> yeah, totally. I, and I get it. You know, it's interesting too, because we just came out of a, these just two as a chapter that just happened here with Venus and Virgo and Mars and Gemini squaring off of each other in yeah. the last week. Both those current situations in the end are ruled by Mercury and Libra. So I think it's, it, I find it interesting was that you brought up humility here and, and it can be looked upon in different ways, but there is, there is a groundedness. There's a way to be grounded with humility mm-hmm. and, and there is a way to take in something. Not, we're not talking about shame and guilt. Yeah. But like the other things that can happen in the Virgo ar- archetype story, but there is something to humility and, and a groundedness to it all. And a certain type of reality involved. And, you know, and then it, it, that and Mars and Gemini being Mercury, you can computate that or express that through words. Um, but I, I still think in the end that you want to get beyond the words. You can get stuck there, too. That's true. A lot of, a lot of heady energy going on here. And, and but again, to back to what you're saying, we're kind of in this place where Venus is in Virgo now right now. But we know very soon here Venus is coming home, you know, so. <laughs> just to keep that in mind as a beacon of light. Yeah. We're going to be laying out the welcome wagon for her. She's been been through so much all year. It's like Venus. Venus is just getting work. Yeah, Uh. totally. Yep. I I agree with you. You know what? I I think that's again, a great point. If I were it for me as an astrologer, think about there's the important transits of the year, so on and so forth. For me personally, it's the eclipses. And so that's for another conversation. But the reason why I'm saying that is because the North and South Node currently, North Node being in Taurus, ruled by Venus, South Node uh, in Scorpio, ruled by Mars. So wherever Venus and Mars are going to be the whole year, whenever these eclipses are, they're the focal points in the end. Yeah. And what is Venus and Mars? In the end, it's always a relational thing how you stand with yourself or with the other, so on and so forth. So this world has been spinning on relationship soap opera and drama since we can, since the beginning of time. I know. <laughs> so uh, anyway, humility is yeah. good though. I, I'm a believer in, in, a, in a healthy way of, of humility, but then it has to go somewhere. And so, like you said, the welcome mat, bring it on, uh, Venus and Libra, you know, and we're going to take things to a, another level. Um, so, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, I try to look forward to anything though. I mean, there's always something to, <laughs> something to glean from whatever we are encountering. So, but it will be nice when she gets there. Yeah. Um, so let's see, is there any other thing I got to say before? No, I think we kind of wrapped up our, uh, seasonal overview. So let me go ahead and share my screen. If you're watching the video, we're going to take a look at the ingress chart uh, set for September 22nd, uh, 2022, 9.03 p.m., Washington, D.C. So um, now, Nicholas, I don't know if you're into uh, 
mundane or politics or world affairs or anything like that. But we a little can, bit. A there's little some, bit. I know, me too. I like I don't I try not to obsess over it, but I do have to say I find it fascinating. And um I know we're not gonna really talk about eclipses here today, but we're kind of gonna talk about eclipses a little bit because we're headed towards them. Mm -hmm. And I think what we're going to encounter in Libra season, uh, you know, because the solar eclipse that happens at what, two degrees of Scorpio, we're going to feel all that, you know, Libra season is really wrapped up in it. And like you said, right, Libra season and well, Aries and Taurus seasons and Libra and Scorpio seasons are our two back-to-back times of year where we really experience the Venus Mars exchange mm-hmm. right so yep. i i think that um it would do us a good service to at least allude to the eclipses a little bit by the time the next episode comes out and the, the eclipse is already there and they're like i needed to know no but- <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so but we're, we're yeah. setting up the story though basically we're, yeah. we're setting up in the, the eclipse stories here pretty much with with the equinox and and, and uh the end of september and october it's just a huge yeah. setup so yeah. Well, and I think this, uh, if so, if you're looking at the chart here for Washington, D.C., we have a Taurus rising on Uranus uh, and the North Node there. So, I mean, you can't get much more uh, eclipsy <laughs> for the U.S. than uh, than this configuration. Um We've got uh, the sun in Libra there conjunct that Mercury retrograde because I I think we kind of said this briefly and we'll talk about it a little bit more, but Libra season starts out with the sun Mercury inferior Kazemi, you know, that is embedded not only in Libra season, uh, but within the second uh, half of the year itself. Mm -hmm. Um, We got a moon in Leo, which is interesting because we have another late degree moon that is really not making aspect to much. Um, and, and you have that, you have that, and, and you're saying mm-hmm. that, by the way, another late degree moon, because what we've had this year is the beginning of the year, the lunations we had with new or full, they were happening in late degree. Yeah. Also, let's I'm just, you just reminded me of that, by the way of this late degree is, happened a lot in the beginning of the year with certain blue nations. So um just want to point that out. Which is always interesting to me. Yeah. And then we had those, those late degrees with the, um, with the full moons. Uh, mm-hmm. And now we have these new moons at the beginning degrees, which are fascinating because once again, to go back to what you were saying with the chapters that turn, I mean, we can talk. We can talk a lot about chapters and uh, where the story is when we just look at degrees in themselves. You know, earlier degrees are going to have a lot more to still still brew and introduce. Where last degrees can get be- very pregnant with energy that yeah. is ready to uh, change in some way. Um, so that is something uh, to look at. I'm I'm trying to find my. <laughs> I have this whole like. Uh, mind map that of 2022 that has all the really? all the charts oh, like and that. all the mind uh, map. oh you would love this I'll yes have to, I'm all about it oh here I go I'm, I'm like where is the uh where is the Aries ingress yes the point I was trying to make this whole entire time was that uh 
the Aries ingress for Washington had a Gemini rising. And so when we have a mutable rising sign, we always want to look uh, at the Libra ingress because there will be two important charts, uh, mundane speaking, for the year. Uh, so this chart is going to essentially pick up where, mm-hmm. I mean, the Aries ingress encompasses the whole year as a, you know, as a whole from Aries to Aries, but for the United States, there is this kind of like pickup chart that is happening right now. And it is a loaded, loaded chart. Um, Pluto on the midheaven, when we have a, 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 we talked about this in the last Mars retrograde episode, we're going to have a lunar eclipse on our voting day. Like you can't, <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. <laughs> of course. Of course. Of course. <laughs> I know. So, and yeah, the ascendant squaring Saturn there. So, I mean, Nicholas, what pops out to you just right away from this chart? I'm trying not to bring my personal world into this because <laughs> I'm looking at this chart and what it does to my own world, like chart at being a Taurus ascendant. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I just can't help to focus on Sun-Mercury conjunction. And as a guiding light. I, 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 and the reason why I'm saying this is, and this, those who listen to your podcast, I know who know astrology, we got all different levels here, right? But yeah. if you're going to pick a moment during the retrograde, the Mercury retrograde, and this is every Mercury retrograde, in my opinion, where there's the heart of it all, where, where the, there's the, the most clarity you can get. It, it's pretty much when the sun and Mercury are together and conjunct like this. Um, so all the, all the so-called mishaps that happen during retrogrades, uh, by the way, I'm not a believer of all mishaps. I think the retrogrades are just such a great time to get things done and, and to tie up loose things, loose items. 100%. So I'm a big fan of that. I, I get a lot done during these Mercury retrogrades, but, but again, depending, no matter what your chart is and so on and so forth, a sun Mercury, when Mercury is at the heart, in a sense, the sun is purifying mercury to its to its essence you know and, and there you're going to have the cleanest the cleanest view the, the cleanest insights it's there and you can look to see where libra is in your chart where it's happening there but if, if i was pinpointing something in this particular chart it's that for me um and and because it, it's um in the end, for me, when we're talking about this month, I think Mercury, it, it kind of, we, it always comes back to this particular moment with Mercury because of Mars being in Gemini and what's about to happen with Mars station uh, um, and, and so on and so forth. So that's, that's my opinion on that. Uh, yeah, uh, it is a, it is a unique setup i have to say yeah. for especially for an ingress chart that's going to carry us through you know next uh equinox um and it, having that clarity especially in libra which is interesting because i mean when i think about libra there's a very there's a there's a huge sense of justice that lives there to me right when we talk about harmony and the equilibrium and balance zero degrees we were just talking about the idea of this introduction of energy with mm-hmm. early early degree signs um and i mean we're looking at this for in terms of the the us whether or not you live in the us or not obviously <laughs> but uh that's a big thing that's missing uh here uh a lot is is this sense of balance and and fairness um and this is coming up time and time again um 
for our particular country uh, and to see Pluto right there at the midheaven of, um, you know, uh, power dynamics and power changes and power, power imbalances, power grabs, power <laughs> corruption, you know, yeah. and, like in the ninth house too, and thinking about the court systems and, um, it's, uh, yeah, like the law and court systems, what gets decided in, into like with the, the ethical parts of things. Uh, yeah. um, but you, now you bring in the Pluto part here and then we're thinking about it from a political angle for the country more than ever. Well, I won't say more than ever, actually, but it's pretty decisive, isn't it? Yeah. it it's you're here or you're there. And if you even don't belong to two different factions, you're somehow pulled into one. But this isn't the first time this has happened. This was happening during the Civil War. This is why the Civil War happened. It was a lead up, you know, and this decisiveness. Now, here we are at this point in our country. You would think here with Mercury's son, uh, there is clarity there, but bringing in the Pluto story here of, of, of laws and ethics, you know, that type of thing with the court, there's a negotiation here. The first thing that comes to my mind is a mm. possible negotiation. It doesn't mean that everyone gets what they want or what quote unquote justice is and what it means. What it means for you and I, it can mean something completely different for someone else, whatever political views that they have or what justice means. So, but we do know that's on the table, that word. But the other part of it, I think here, and what, what this is a setup for is like pure negotiation. And who better to do something like that? You know, with Mercury and Libra, then you're going to have Pluto. So it's no joke what's about to be said. The, the words, can the words be, <laughs> the, the, the words as vessels, are they, they come across as like, oh, I, like, I feel like you're listening to me. Now, that's one thing. Instead of like, it was, I'm screaming at you and uh, uh, no, I'm right. And so on and so forth. I think with something like this is like people like they, they'll at least portray that they're listening to listening. each other. <laughs> you know, they'll put like on the, the facade. Like, yeah, they'll put on the facade. They put the little penis shell on there. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, I, I heard what you said. You know, um, now are they agreeing to anything? Are they still on on, the, on extreme sides? Yes. But I think when it comes to politics and let's say rule of law and, and things like that, that's always been a negotiation. Whether mm -hmm. it, it happens in the Supreme Court level or it happens in, in, in the legislative end, there's always banter back and forth and there's always the weighing out and, and so on and so forth. That's just part of what our country is. You and, know? and that doesn't mean we actually get somewhere either, because yeah, I mean, that's mean that the thing is like, just because it's there. Um, yeah, stalemate. Yeah. Then you can find yourself like still like, oh, I listen to you, you listen to me. And then, but still like no one's budging. But who's, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think there, it feels like there's going to be pressure to have some sort of, you know, just with Pluto on the midheaven there, but being the, you know, essentially the point of leadership, um, and then having, you know, the people represented by the ascendant there or the land, uh, also the moon, uh, in Leo, you know, if the ascendant right on Uranus and North node, I think people are going, this is, this is a, uh, a volatile com combination um, as far as like, wake it up. What are we doing? You yeah. Know, yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I think part of this too, when you brought, you bring up the ascendant here and Taurus and, and in the sense that we think in basic terms of Taurus with resources, 
yes. sense of like what it is. It's always connected to money and coins and yeah. <laughs> cryptocurrency, by the way, all those types of things. You know, we, we're in an interesting point right now because of in, the inflationatory stuff that's happening. Uh-huh. And you see, I've been seeing massive layoffs in the last two to three weeks, even the tech world. I'm not talking about like the auto industry and stuff too. I'm talking about the tech world. Patreon just just shaved 20% of its workforce. Uh, a, a bunch of other tech companies have been doing it. And so even on that angle, uh, I almost feel like that on a corporate level that that other corporate boards see what's happening and they've been waiting for this and they've been waiting to shave off employees. Because in the end, it's in this country and the way it's run, the number one thing in the end is always profit at all costs. So, you know, if you think about it from an objective point of view from the corporate end, they'll do anything to keep the profit going. Uh, you shave 20% of your workforce, it's a headline in the news. It sucks for the people getting laid off. But in the end, shareholders or whoever's on the board, if it's private companies, they're still making their cash. They're still yeah. making their dough, you know? And, and this, I think, is at the heart of the, our country, in a sense, is it, it, for me, it's a class issue, always, in the end. Because it, it's, it's the thing about like, who makes the money for whom? Or who does the work for whom? And I think here with a chart like this, when you have certain things happening in the laws, and we're not talking about just civil rights here, we're, we're talking about worker rights. We have uh, more than ever, you see uh, people trying to start unions at yeah. Starbucks and Amazon. We just had, they just bypassed the railroad strike here. Uh, so so many days ago, but that's mm-hmm. not going away. That is not going away. So basically, resources, who controls the resources? And then to bring in Pluto in here, what you said about law and stuff, what happens on the legislative end and what's been happening for years here of, of laws being changed, lobbyists, so on and so forth, and how they create control for the corporations to do whatever they want to do. Now, if everyone's listening to what I'm saying here, you can kind of see where I stand a little bit with things. But in the end, regardless of what party you belong to, if you belong to a party, in the end, resources and basic survival is really on the table right now. And and I think it was really exposed because of COVID. And Mm -hmm. and I I think you see fundamental breakdowns happening in the workforce area or just how people living. And then now you have inflation, the cost of gas. I, I, I just went to go buy something at the store the other day. It just all of a sudden was $2 extra. And that's me. And you have to imagine, it doesn't matter what party you are after that. People are going to the store and they're going to buy things and everything's expensive. And so I think that's a pressure cooker. And I think that that is not going away. The layoffs, the inf- inflation, and just how tight money is. Um, Well, I think the term you just used was on point, fundamental breakdown. If that's not, that's not Uranus on the Ascendant in Taurus. I don't, I really don't know what is fundamental breakdown. Like it's, and one to think about that's once again, come back to the, the sun Mercury Kazemi um, in the sixth house there, at least by whole sign, uh, you know, this is the workforce. These are labor Mm -hmm. This yep. is, this is healthcare, um, you know, and, and the, that sun Mercury is ruled by that debilitated Venus in Virgo that we're talking about, which I don't think, uh, I, I think the whole issue, women's rights issue, uh, and, you know, the Venus being in the fifth house and, and mm-hmm. 
the forced childbirth, you know, things along those lines. This is going to be a big topic. It already is, but it's, I think it's going to continue here along with the the labor unions, the resource, you know, just resources in general. Like you're talking about the the people that were fighting for uh, healthcare and in the train industry. And they're like, no, we don't want to give you this extra and we'll shut down the resources for the whole country. Yep. We don't want to give you something that is like a basic human right uh, to, to, at least in my mind. Um, and, and it's interesting because part of this chart uh, too has, we have, um, well, I mean, we got Venus there. Uh, well, I'm in, seeing Neptune, uh, Venus, Neptune. You're, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're seeing Venus, <laughs> Neptune, and you're also seeing Venus, Pluto, but not quite to Pluto yet, right? Because Venus is essentially moving energy from from a trine to Uranus to this Neptune, mm-hmm. and then it will eventually make it to Pluto. But another thing going on too is we have this Mars in the second house of you know the country's resources and financial systems. Um, is trining Saturn up there in the 10th too. So that's interesting to think about too. And just kind of like the the corporate law, the people that are in charge, you know, this mm-hmm. strong Saturn constriction uh, presence over, you know, in Aquarius, you know, over the populace as a whole. And, and Mars is just known for taking and slashing. Um, yep. And, you know, which is in the second house, it's kind of like playing into what you were just talking about yeah, if i'm correct i know someone out there is going to know or whatever but i think one of the usa charts i could be the sibley chart or whatever i think it, i don't know does it, it does it have a, a mars and gemini or venus and oh gemini? yeah we were just <laughs> talking about it. it's mars it has mars and gemini at 21 degrees squaring neptune yeah. yep. at 22 and so <laughs> so mm. actually that's interesting i like that you bring that up because venus in this chart is exactly conjunct the us's neptune by degree so, you know, which Neptune dissolves, uh, Neptune mm-hmm. diffuses, Neptune has deception. It can paint a picture that is not quite clear or can erode or wash away. Um, it can also bring in, you know, charitable situations too, uh, where we see a lot of support coming. Like I just saw a, a thing in the news about um, uh, a sex trafficking victim. Um, her Piper, her name, some I'm, her, her name's escaping me right now. And she had uh, s- stabbed a man to death for her life. Basically, she was in a very bad situation. And yeah. then the court's like, well, you know, we'll let you, we'll give you probation for that, but we're going to, you're going to have to pay $150,000 in restitution to this mm-hmm. person's family. And I'm like, Oh God. Um, but a GoFundMe has now is now up to $550,000 for, for Piper. And so it's interesting to what the people, right. You know, cause this is a tourist ruled chart and the ascendant there, it's like the people can rally together yeah, the resources. Give the resources. The resources, yeah. Yeah, and so, oh, I'm getting chills when I say that. So it's like, it's almost like we can't rely, people have been saying this whole time, we can't rely on big government. They're not going to take care of it. You know, we got we to gotta yeah. work together um, and, and move that around. Anyways. What you just said, I, I have to say something. What you just said, we can't rely on big government. You know what? You can hear, you'll hear that from the leftist point of view. Yeah. You'll hear the same thing from like the far right, yeah. which is fascinating to me. So there's something, and this is, there's something happening with the connection and view of government, what it is, depending on what your philosophy is, there is something that's not flowing in general. One more thing I want to say to this, because I, I, I think it's really important. 
Venus rules the ascendant here in this chart, Taurus. It's ruling this sun, Mercury, and Libra. You know, Venus in the fifth house, so on and so forth. In the end, and I'm th this is um, I don't I hope this makes sense for people listening. There is the resource end of things. And then you gave an example of a collaborative, community-based uh, uh, coming together for this GoFundMe. But you've seen this on, I know people have seen it in their local world during COVID because people had to watch each other's backs. They had to come up and deal with whatever it is. You couldn't go anywhere. You couldn't get this. You couldn't get that. You helped your neighbor. Hopefully you did. Hopefully your neighbor helped you. Some of, some of us or some people haven't had that happen to them and they've been alone, alienated. Mm. And this is a major thing that's going on here because in the end, it's about connecting at relating with Venus, whether you're doing it with your mind, with, with resources and in the end, your heart, or you use other vessels as an expression from your heart to help other people. And I believe something like a Uranus and Taurus transit that's happening is, you know, Uranus, bringing something new or to shake up foundations. Yes. But in my mind, that transit, actually what is new is actually what's always been around in the end of what humans can do when they look at each other face to face and they come from their hearts and they go beyond the politics and they realize and see the essence in each other as human beings. And then what you do when you're in that place, how, the actions that you take from that place it gets really simple and you do use your senses through that place. It goes beyond the phone and it goes beyond the computer and it goes beyond the news feed. It, it just gets back to basic human relating. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for me, a Uranus and Taurus transit, what is the new? The new actually has been the very, very old, actually. You know, uh, uh, so uh, for people listening, you know, the hard transit, so on and so forth, it's really hard. And you got your personal life and then you got to take care of your family. You're struggling. And then there's things happening on the mundane level and then the, the huge world level. But remember, you, the, the best thing you have going for you, your power is that that way you look at yourself, how you relate to yourself, the love that you give yourself and what stems from that when you do look outside yourself, whether it's your family, your loved one. Uh, uh, the neighbors, you have the ultimate power of the universe of just basic relating, basic acknowledgement. And what comes from there is, hey, I just grew some cucumbers here. Share it. You know, I have these pumpkins. I know it sounds funny, but it's like these little basic things, they're the most powerful things. And in the end, on the collective level, this is going to play itself out because it, when we get to the bigger politics of things, when you have people uh, relating to each other on that level, on that organic level, it just creates the basis and the foundation for something new. So mm. I just went on a rant there. No, I love I, that. I, yeah. I, it, I, it, well, yeah. it makes power less divisive when we're able to connect mm -hmm. with each other through, um, I guess we could just say goodwill, <laughs> you yeah. know? Uh, and I mean, you, I'm looking at the, and that's actually what I, if I'm going to pick out something that I like about Venus opposing Neptune, <laughs> you know, I think that's what it is. And I immediately in my mind, I went to my buy nothing group, uh, my Facebook yeah. group, but for my, my community and buy nothing and we're just trading and I have this, who needs this? I can use mm -hmm. that. And, you know, and it's just this 
Um, and like you said, it's just on a very base level, right? It's like, we're talking, it's very Venus and Virgo, right? You know, I have this extra butter dish. <laughs> Who can use this? <laughs> and then, yeah. Do you need a butter dish? Do you need extra laundry detergent? You know? Yeah. Um, I hit you up. I'm like, I, I don't have my measuring cups. Like I don't have any, do you have a so-and-so measuring yeah, cup? Ask. Uh, I need a 16 ounce measuring cup. Like, I mean, yeah. it's a very basic thing. And it's interesting because it's someone in need, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Venus in Virgo and that Neptune connection, this, yeah, it, to me, it brings up needy people, um, <laughs> but not necessarily a bad way, but we all have needs. We all, that's what, what we're here for, right? Yeah. Like we're here to help other people. Um, I mean, any good Virgo planet will tell you that, uh, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, you know, we're, we're here to help. So I, I think that's going to be a big component of it. I mean, the last thing I say about this chart, cause we we'll probably need, we have a lot to talk yeah. about, but I mean, we really haven't touched on the moon at all. And thinking about this moon at one of the, you know, cause the Aries ingress chart had the moon at 29 degrees of Libra, ironically, where we're going or not ironically, yeah. where we're going to have the sun. Libra conjunction here at the end of the uh, this season, um, but it is interesting to think that I mean, what what's the moon doing here? The la- last thing it made was an opposition to Saturn. Um, the next thing it does, I think, is nothing for a while. Actually, just by yeah, it's a very interesting moon, so it doesn't have a lot of power per se and it's in leo so it has to look back to that sun mercury conjunction that's all coming back to basically mercury and venus being in a mutual reception uh that can't see each other (laughs) um but the moon is is interesting i mean we're it's leo it's going to put us in our own needs like it's a very personalized position right see me pet me i know (laughs) see me pet me me. like like you know what i mean like like and or let me share with you uh uh, can you you know the feel that 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 warmth i can't i'm i can't believe i'm such a cynical guy as of like the last (laughs) year but i can't believe i'm talking in terms of like oh it's the positive you know the expression and the sharing of things and the sharing of resources too in a sense of like what has been created or what is comes from our hearts what we create from within can the country do this can the country show themselves that show each other that or is it is it? And this is not the bag on any Leos out there or people have Leo moons because I know a bunch of you, but I'm not saying you're like this. But the other part of this is could be like, hey, you know, like it, it's all about me. You know, there is it's nobody true. else. You know, and it's just again, with anything in astrology, there's polarity and understanding all sides of, of signs and, and transits and so on and so forth. So to look for a way, you know, uh, of of the Leo moon. But again, anyway, I, I, again, I, I'm not trying to talk negatively. I'm just trying to see all the sides of it. It's just, um, well, and it's a late degree there. So this yeah. is not an old, this is not a new issue. It could be coming to terms with either one of these things for yeah. all of us I- individually and as, as you know, as a country. And, and also how we, I mean, it's the fourth house, how we relate to our land and, uh, because yep. I th- I think just having Taurus rising with Uranus there, there's going to be definitely environmental things that are going to come up in the next six months as well here too. So mm-hmm. um, it's it's a loaded chart, and I think the eclipses are absolutely going to activate it. Um, but 
Definitely. I guess we'll hope for we're, yeah. yeah. I guess we'll hope for the best here. We're gonna lean into that idea of like caring for one another and uh in times of need. Um and hope for some changes. Uh I mean, we are in the Pluto return for the US. So having Pluto on the midheaven is very apropos for whatever needs yeah, to go down. It's I don't think there's any running away or hiding from anything now. I think <laughs> right. all in front of us. It's, yeah. and, and it's for a while when we get into the Pluto ingress and cat and, and, and uh, Aquarius and when it sticks finally, there is no it's all going to be in front of us. And, and um, we just have to pick how we deal with it, you know, choose how we deal with it. So, yeah. So, uh, all right. Well, hopefully we didn't, uh, scare, we didn't scare you away with yeah. that, with that yeah, like, yeah. um, but you know, that's the reality of what, what life looks like right now. So, um, so let us go into, so this is all how it starts, you know? <laughs> um, but it is interesting that we have with that Mercury sun inferior Kazemi on the equinox. Uh, and then what's going to happen is the, Mercury is going to retrograde right into Virgo again, literally the day after on the 23rd. So, so we have this, uh, you know, Mercury is doing its dance with the sun. It's moving back into Virgo. Uh, we also are experiencing that Venus in Virgo uh, opposing Neptune that we were just mm-hmm. talking about. And on the 24th, it will perfect um, that weekend, uh, that Saturday. But this is all leading us to a, you know, this is this is the dark cycle of the moon phase because we're leading to our new moon at two degrees of Libra on Sunday, the 25th. So, I mean, Nicholas, what do you think about the kind of Mercury meeting the sun, moving back into Virgo, Venus going through these moves all before we reseed in a new moon? Yeah. So I, it's interesting. You have some clarity that can come up with as, as sun Mercury in a balsamic phase. You have Venus, Neptune, which I think can contribute actually to clarity if it's followed through upon because uh, uh, yeah, Venus and Neptune opposing each other. It's like there's the dream and the vision and then there's the reality. And can you connect those two together? And I, what I'm saying by that is with an opposition with two planets 180 degrees from each other, on paper, when we learn astrology, we try to bring the two together and to find the balance between the two to integrate them. That's my philosophy. So you have actually potentials here of clarity in, in so many different ways in the most darkest of places yeah. the, 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 with, with in a balsamic moon and what could happen there. And in a sense, you could call it, in a, I could say that it's some sort of a pre-germination that's happening because then you do have the new moon, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, things don't just shoot out of the gate. But it is a cardinal new moon. Yeah. But here, some of the clarity and vision, if you were to find that before and bring that into the new moon, um, uh, you got Pluto helping out here, I think, with some of this too. But it's like uh, there you can begin to put it out out of you, out into the world. And, and again, let's not forget the Libra thing, what happens. It doesn't mean you get everything that you want, but it does mean that you can negotiate for it you can work with it. Um, trying to stay positive here, you know? So yeah. um, that, anyway, that's what came through me here on top of my head. <laughs> I was just thinking yeah. about yeah. You, your, your admit, uh, admittance, admittal, I don't know the word there, uh, being like, I, I used to be a cynical person. 
<laughs> now you're just looking for the positive side. Oh, we have I got to. Saturn in the first house for everybody listening. Yeah, so you know, I just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, no, I think you're absolutely right about that, and especially. Because, you know, we wouldn't necessarily think that Venus opposing Neptune can bring us some clarity. But I think once Mercury crosses over from that Kazemi moment with the sun at such a powerful degree, right? You know, yeah. uh, this is like a world point degree. And then it moves back into its own sign. So then Venus really gets even more of that discernment with Mercury retrograding back into Virgo on the 23rd. So she actually meets the opposition with Neptune mm -hmm. when Mercury is in Virgo again. So I, I feel like that bodes well, at least for Venus being like, oh, I, I'm perceiving this, you know, on, on a more realistic side of things, because I think you're absolutely right. We are at this juncture point in life. And it's like, what is the dream? What's the vision? What is real? Uh, what do I need to do all the pieces of the puzzle? How do yeah. I need to transition in order to make that a reality? Or is that a little too utopian in nature or like ideal? And I have to kind of be like, no, this is how it is. I can, I love it. What you were saying, I can have a little bit of this. I might not be able to have it all, but let's start picking this apart because I, you know, we are getting to this new moon on Sunday uh, at two degrees Libra and it's opposing Jupiter. And I mean, it's a cardinal moon, new moon. It's going to move us forward. It's Jupiter. Jupiter's retrograde, but it's still in the essence of moving us forward. You know, there, and it's, and it's playing off of the cancer new moon that was square Jupiter mm -hmm. uh, around June 28th, I want to say, um, give or take. And then also the trine during Leo season. So, you know, this Jupiter story to go back to what you were talking about earlier in the program about chapters and this, you know, we're writing this 20, we're writing this 2022, but I feel like these chapters are really building something much larger. Yeah. Um, volumes. It's like certain chapters are closing a volume. Certain chapters are starting to write the next volume, but the discernment and Venus coming up against this Neptunian, you know, vision and then trining Pluto right at the same time, because, you know, you make a trine to Pluto. Once again, there's like this exposure that comes yeah. out, like you get really down to the realness of something. Um, and so this seems like such a turning point of a new moon, at least in my mind, like literally, I mean, pun intended, I suppose, since it's cardinal, <laughs> but uh, it is, it's, yeah. It, and it, and it's turning in the sense of me and you, because we got to come back to Libra Aries and what we kind of started yep. the program with. Yep. And, and that's because of Jupiter and Aries and, and, and it, it opposing. And, and again, this is another chapter. We started this podcast talking about we're in a current Mercury, Mercury yeah. opposing Jupiter. And so here's the a big part of the story now, the a bigger part. Um, Pluto, to me, saves the day in this chart. If you don't take Pluto into account, please do. Because I think it, having the relationship, be, even though Mercury's retrograde in Virgo, but having this Earth flow between yeah. Pluto and Mercury here, the practicality, practicality along with straightforward truth with that, actually not a two-page letter, a, 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 a paragraph that's concise, and clear and clean and brutally honest. Honest. <laughs> it's yeah. what can happen right here. And we need that. 
especially in the always interesting story with the with the Aries Libra polarity. Aries is going to bust through the door, Mars, and just not even think about what they're going to say. Libra is not going to bust through the door, Venus. They're going to wait and hear everybody else out. Maybe they say their truth. Maybe they hear other people's truth. In the end, the truth needs to be up on the table. So, you know, if you think about the Mercury retrograde, if you think about this new moon and, and in the end, what Libra Aries does, there it has, and it's a Mars Venus thing in the end, but it's like the relating and what's going on. Sometimes we, we hear one side or whatever, but then there's the truth. At least for this time being, it is the brutal truth and the acceptance of that. And then still this retrograde isn't done. Then you take that in and you're going to process that. But at least it's not flaky. It's not yeah. it's mm. not a flaky thing. It, it's, it requires acceptance of like, this is what it is. Earth practical level, Mercury, trying Pluto, Earth signs, blah, blah, blah. This is what it is. And it's like, okay. And you know what? There's there's actually safety in that. There's it's groundedness in something like that. It, because if it's not flaky, then at least you know where everybody stands, and then you can go from there. That, mm, I love that. that. I yeah. yeah, I love that. The the idea of it not being flaky. Yeah. Because I mean, not to say that Libra can be flaky, but or Gemini. You know, we'll put put that in there. No, but but that. But think about it. Here we have this Venus Mercury. Pluto connection. It's almost like we get to talk the Venus. We get to be real about the Venus. Mm -hmm. And the Jupiter component backed by Mars in a trine to Saturn, you know, that puts a little bit of a break on the Mars a little bit. You know, it's like, okay, well, I'm I'm not going to be as flighty or on the go or take this or take that. You know, it, it's it's honing into Saturn. Saturn's like, hold up, Mars. You know, in order to do this, in order for this to flow, in order for the chapter to turn and to write the new things, we have to, you know, have some order, have some form, have some patience, yes. um, have some accountability. <laughs> you know, there's See, Saturn so, isn't so bad, everybody, just to no. let you know, like, <laughs> like what Saturn could do, what Saturn brings, you know, it, the constructiveness of it all, the reality. Hey, like you just said, Melissa, like, hey, hold up a second. This could work, actually. Yeah, this could work, but it requires this work or this truth or this. And again, we you asked me in the beginning of this balsamic wise, what's happening into Neptune influence. Can you find the clarity? And in a sense, can one like imagine and dream of a solution or of a way? And then you get to this point where there's concrete things involved. Reality things. And there is a way. There is a way. Oh my gosh, more positive stuff. We're I know. You know what that makes me? Uh, yeah, because there is a way. And I think part of the way has everything to do with strategy, you know, because yeah. that seems very Mars, Saturn and air signs to me. Um, and Libra, and the bigger, really. In Libra and the bigger being, picture yeah. of Jupiter being there mm -hmm. to kind of guide it along. It's like there. And well, in Mercury too. I mean, Virgo is very strategic. Um, and what all the bits that need to fit together in order to, you know, move something into its state of, um, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I don't want to say perfection, but into the state we want it to be in or the state that it needs to transition in to be become the next thing. And so it's like, it's like, we're getting real. There's integrity here. There's things to figure out. We got to work with one another and we got to be strategic. Um, and, and life is moving. Life is turning. 
I mean, that, that's just the essence here. Um, so you might find yourself in this position with this new moon because that's just where you are. You, I mean, sometimes we don't choose what, what we need to turn to or what we need to act yeah. towards, right? You know, a lot of people are in situations like, like I wasn't expecting to be here. Um, but we work with that. We, we mold it to our advantage, right? Um, I feel like that is a big part of this new moon too, where we can, I don't want to say make lemonade out of lemons. I mean, it's not that bad of a new moon, but, there, but I feel like a lot of us have been throwing some things in the, in the last handful of months or just this year, or maybe in the last three years. And so yeah. this, I feel like it's a, I, I, I like that about this. I like you know, that. Yeah. I, I think I, just to say this, I, I, um, there are things that we cannot control that happen to us. What we can control and what I tell people, and I, I, I think a lot of astrologers, our colleagues know, like we get to places when we're talking to our clients and, and it feels like it's just things are overbearing. And to re- remind yourself what the true power of being human is, is that you have the choice. You have the choice to react choice. to things and, and to alter things. It might not be perfect. You can't control what happens to you, but you can choose to, to how you react, how to stand or what to work with. Sometimes you're ready to work. Other times you have to wait. It just doesn't come to you, but it's there. And, and, you know, and you just have to remember that you do have choice and it's just in our inherent superpower. We all have it. You know, so remember that with the with all the transits and, and the, the the stuff that's yeah. been really hard for years and these things that are just testing us at all angles. And then we have a lunation like this new moon, and we're trying to find the juice. We're trying to find the the center point, right? And and we're what you can do. And here's a great example of just not a something that's just a thought. It's something that could be put into action and played slowly. So, uh, <laughs> you know what came into my head, Nicholas? It was um. Devo, freedom of choice. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, freedom of choice. <laughs> freedom of choice. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. if you need a, you need a little. Um, you want to lose boost. yourself, people? Go, go look at Devo and, and the reason why they're called Devo. I know Devo, <laughs> <laughs> de-evolution. The like, evolution. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's fitting on a few different levels here, but um, yeah. <laughs> do yourself a favor, uh, <laughs> YouTube, uh, freedom of choice, just to get uh, you, just to get your blood pumping, just to get you excited <laughs> about the fact that you have, you know, it's very uh, Libra new moon opposed to Jupiter. I don't think I'm ever going to talk choice. ever. I don't think I'm ever going to talk anywhere again where someone brings up Devo in the middle of the le- <laughs> podcast lecture or whatever in the astrology world only you only i only that's you. true only me only yeah. me but do yeah. it people devo out go go de-evolutionize yourself <laughs> oh my god i love it so you know as we said this is a powerful new moon this is a powerful start this is a powerful cardinal moment um and we get to kind of like inject it a little bit longer right it happens on sunday the 25th um but on uh, the following day on the 26th as we're kind of getting seated in this period with the libra moon still doing its thing uh that's when mercury uh retrogrades over venus and we also perfect the sun Jupiter opposition. So we kind of have a couple days, you know, of just really, and that's a Monday. I mean, I know (laughs) personally what's going on for me on this day um, Uh is my, uh, in, in, 
and humility and partnership relating, my partner crashed my car this week. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Re- rear-ended someone. It looks like my car got punched in the face pretty bad. So I am on this Mercury retrograde patience mission of we're not able to get the car into the actual body shop to be fixed again until this date, <laughs> which I find is very, very on point um, for... Uh, I mean, that's just a like little side note story, but, uh, you know, Mercury retrograde over Venus, you know, try, helping this poor car get, get back into shape. Um, yeah, but it, that's, yeah. That, I'm sorry about that. By I the know. Way. Yeah, it's, 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 spoiler alert to our Venus group later, <laughs> Nicholas and I are in a <laughs> Venus, uh, talisman yes. group. And so this is one of my Venus stories Thanks. and having to have grace in partnerships when, <laughs> when you hear some news that you don't want to hear. Um, but my point being is that there, this is a big start to the week. Like, I feel like Monday is going to really give us like on a kind of a kickoff point <laughs> to get things in motion, uh, tie up loose ends, tie up whatever's happened just recently yeah. um, and move this story along. Yeah. More relating uh, um, another um, uh, uh, chapter, another part uh, of, of the relating angle, even if we don't look at the Jupiter sun and the moon's still in Libra, right? But we just, just Venus, uh, uh, Mercury alone together. Yeah. There is some talking going on. Lots more, of talking. More talking and, and, and more in Virgo picking the pieces, the ones, maybe the pieces and the parts of the engine that are not running at the most optimal. <laughs> Figuratively and literally speaking. Literally. <laughs> yeah. I can't tell you how many, like on next door or like the app, the neighborhood app, it's like every day someone's car has been crashed. It's been stolen. It's been people's cars are just getting mutilated during this Mercury retrograde because it's like backing the slowing Mars and Gemini. It's like, it's just yeah. insane. So it's like, yeah. I feel for, I'm probably going to have like all, all these inbox messages saying, oh, my, oh, my car too, you know? Well, do you, <laughs> um, just a side note here. Do you know that the used car market is exploded as in worth and price? In oh, this yeah. last year? It's so it, hard to get a used car right yep, now because of the manufacturing. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, side note there. No, it's it's yeah. true. Um, mm-hmm. Well, another thing that could be going on too with this, uh, you know, because I, I, we might have alluded to it, but just thinking about the new moon in Libra pushing forward with this Venus Mercury action and having come off a Kazemi at zero degrees of Libra there could be a lot of partnerships that are being formed, you know, like just even behind the scenes and we're just getting together and we're just putting into our, you know, we're talking about how we're going to work this all out and maybe it's not out in the open or anything now, but we're on the other side of the Mercury Sun Kazemi. So this is essentially kind of mercurial new territory uh, that's happening and it's meeting Venus right away. So I feel like if anybody's forming certain partnerships, right now and even if they're just kind of tiptoeing into it or just getting settled or or you know changing the page on one into a new a new era i always i always talk in big terms mercury jupiter i'm like everything's big in life listen um, listen like we said in the beginning i said we're a living opera so just go for it on the imaginary like, oh. scale we are the characters we are the gods and goddesses we it, it's it is that way okay <laughs> It can so. be big people. <laughs> um, but I feel like that that's a big 
that's a big part of it. So if you are teaming up or, you know, start starting a new chapter there and have to get together with people and form unions or bonds or et cetera, mm-hmm. um, uh, or even start to work out or rework contractual, uh, obligations, you know, I feel like, especially with Mars trining Saturn, cause essentially that's what happens next on, uh, on the 27th on Tuesday, it really is a big start to the week. Cause on Tuesday, we still got this moon in Libra for the most part. Um, and we have this exact trine between Mars and Saturn and then Mercury retrograde, uh, and Pluto. So more yeah. talking, I feel like more talk and Mars and Mars, this Mars Saturn piece, this is the first pass because Mars is going to retrograde back, make yeah. a trine to Saturn once again. Uh, and then not until next year, it's going to try and Saturn once more, but they're going to move into water science at that point. So there, this is another big structural component that's going on too within this. Yeah, I, I I think it's great that you pointed this out because when we get in the long-term story of the Mars and Gemini retrograde in the station and oh my God, it's going to last all the way till March and so on and so forth. If you're looking for the, uh, the, the, the guiding light to all this, is, is this Mars uh, uh, a Saturn piece? Because it the is. other piece, the <laughs> other piece is going to be Mars-Neptune, a mutable square. So you're gonna need, you're going to need Saturn. You need it, and and this the, the timing of this because right now on the chart that you have here on the 27th, Saturn's at 19 and really close here. We're gonna probably mention it here. It is Saturn? We're actually gonna have a not the, every single dang planet in the in the in the thing retrograde. You're gonna have Saturn moving, which is gonna move really slow. But that's the if you're gonna have the anchor, if you're gonna have some sort of planet to work with. And it's Mars. It's not a Mars Saturn opposition. It's not a square. It's 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 they're they're flowing with each other. And this is where things you can have the drive and the focus to construct and build. Utilize this. And even if it doesn't come out through your hands in the physical universe, what happens in your mind and what Saturn brings, which in the end, I love the crystallization part of Saturn. It being in an Aquarius, it is in, on point there. It's deep in the scientific lab, synthesizing and rising. And, and you have Mars and Gemini there where the thought, the ideas, the thoughts and the opinions, what happens with Hermes going back and forth from this world to the underworld, the secrets and the mystery that it brings. And you could take those mysteries and secrets and, and the word, and you could take the Saturn and Aquarius and crystallize those things two together and build something amazing, not just for today or that week. It's for the long term. So, oh, I got really excited about that. I know, I'm getting excited about it. (laughs) I see it in my own life. I mean, everything you're saying, I'm seeing in my own life. I'm seeing people's lives around me. Like it, it, we, so many people are at this major turning point uh, of energy and and logistics for the long term, and mm-hmm. uh, where I'm, you know, setting down, lay, you know, setting up shop and laying down foundations, and you know, it's this, it, and we need that. That's when we need this Mars Saturn piece, uh, because there is going to be that time out, or maybe that confusion, or that d- defusion of uh, of. <laughs> 
my mind goes blank of Mars and Saturn <laughs> or not Mars, excuse me, Mars and Neptune squaring that's coming up. And so it's almost like this kind of precursor moment where we, we really kind of get to lay down the plans or get the first, um, you know, blueprint of what that might look like. Sure. It might change, but we're at this point that can start to get us there. And if we give it space, and give it time. Yes. It will reconfigure itself and then come back around for its, you know, once we get past the the retrograde or not the retrograde as a whole, but just the stationing part that Mars is going to be doing and squaring Neptune. So it's like, take this, use this time. I mean, it's like, really, it's like, use this time. <laughs> it's like this fresh energy that is like you said, it's still, you know, there's still these retrograde components, right? Saturn is not quite direct. Jupiter is not direct, but it's this behind the scenes work. It's yeah. this, uh, it, it could be internalization that's happening. Like you got to change or strategize inside before it can meet the outer world to begin yeah, with. I, I, th- I beautifully said, and also I think right with this particular, at this moment with that, it's more of the internalization and maybe like, oh, and then you start to see how things can be. And then you start to gather your resources and tools internally. Um, but it's definitely an internal moment there. Um, so yeah, fully agree. Oh, that's, yeah. I like that. That was awesome. I'm tell you, the yeah. inside job, right? You got to yeah. do, do it there first. And then everything starts to change. Because then if you try to change before you're ready on the inside, we know how that happens. The trickster <laughs> starts coming out and you're like, oh, you're not ready yet. Let me put this in your way. You haven't exactly, thought about that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. So, And remember, um, re- let's just one more thing. Remember, this is still Mercury retrograde. So, I, you know, again, I think the internalization of it all, especially Mercury, Venus there being in Virgo, more internalization there. Uh, um, and you got Pluto helping you out. Yeah, you could start to formulate and, and plan and, and you don't have to, it's not a rushing thing. You don't have to rush to do it, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're about to roll out uh, the... I guess we'll say the white carpet <laughs> um, <laughs> for the next move. We have uh, Venus moving into Libra. She's, she's done nice. her Venus, her, uh, her Virgo tour. Uh, and on Thursday, September 29th, we're going to wake up uh, to Venus being in Libra. Um a saucy Scorpio moon on the South. No, but Hey, you know, Venus. That's okay. That's all right. It's like, yeah, we'll we'll work with that. I know it's, I'm like, right. As she moves into Libra, it's like the moon, moon and Scorpio (laughs) opposing Uranus. Uh, But you know, Hey, Um, so, so here she is. And really, so we're going to talk a little bit about Venus moving to Libra, but let's also think about, you know, just a couple of days later on uh, October 1st, on that Saturday, she's going to make her opposition to Jupiter um, over the weekend, which I think could bode well for a nice weekend there. But let's let's pull back and talk just real quick about Venus and Libra. We've talked a little bit about it, but um, any, any additional thoughts, anything we want to do... St- lip service <laughs> for her coming home you know you can order some new sheets for your bed and you can get some stuff for the house anything that is going to make you feel uh harmonized within your home because that's what v- venus just did a trip let's say and went through these other signs and then is like coming home walking through the door 
what do you do when you haven't been home for a while? And then you you, you walk in. And not only that, you, you know the Venus in Libra house is just set up in a way. There's going to be maybe a little bit higher ceilings. There's going to be a nice uh, a stereo system. The, the, the couch, the chairs, velour possibly. That's why I brought up the sheets <laughs> for the bed. I, I was velour. thinking, hey, let's get a, a good meal. We're going to have some ravioli. and make some sauce. I, I'm We're going to have some friends over. We're going to have some friends, like friends over. over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we're going to like have the deal. And we're going to uh, uh, hear each other out in, in a way that, that no judgment, mm. <laughs> I would say. And it says, no judgment. Hey, what's your story? And I'm like, okay, what's your story? And here's my story. And we're all heard. We're all heard and our bellies are full. And it not only that, something in the background, I don't know what that smell is, but it smells really good. I don't know what you're burning. It's like, oh, this is this new frankincense that I got or this myrrh that I got and it would burn. And it's like, oh, where did you get that? And it's high quality. So it, it, just painting a picture of what could happen. And, and amongst all those little things, it's like, in the end, are we being seen and heard? And we are. And that's what could happen. And that's what does happen when Venus is in Libra, you know? And, and it's, it's not, not just the physicalness that can happen with, with that, but, but I, I think it's a thing where everyone is acknowledged as a human being in the house and, and seen for who they are and contributing to this interrelative organic cohesiveness of love. Anyway. <laughs> I, I love it. Yeah. I, I love it. That's my version of it. But, uh, yeah, well, and yeah. it makes a lot of sense because, you know, we got a Libra, we got a Venus in Taurus and we got a Venus in Libra. You know, Venus in Taurus is a little more of that sensual nature. I mean, Libra will take it there too, but maybe a little more, uh, more aesthetic and visually, but it, it, it's, there's a personalization in Taurus, but in Libra, there's this more openness to all. Um, mm -hmm. and ideals and just everyone, like, like you said. And I feel like her walking through the door and she's like, Oh, I'm finally home. Look at, look at this, look at this place. It might be a little hot in here. Cause I'm right next to the sun. <laughs> um, but <laughs> yeah. she's like, did yeah. someone leave on the heater? What happened here? <laughs> um, but uh, I feel like she takes a big yeah. breath of air. Oh my gosh. Okay. Let me, let me get a facial. Let me, let me yeah. get situated. Let me call up my friends. Let me put on a good album. Let me stay a while as long as I can. Um, as it gets a little bit hotter and hotter because I mean, she's, she's back home, but she is in combust territory. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, there, we can't ignore that, but um, there is something that's about to happen here. Yes. And, and, and I won't say yet till we get to it. Let's, let, let's leave a little bit of mystery for those watching and listening. But after everything that you just said, and I just said about Venus coming home, there is something that's about to happen. That's not particularly normal. Yeah. Here for so, her in that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah, pre precursor. We'll let you let's sit on that. But you know what? I love it going into the weekend of uh, you know, Friday the 30th, October 1st. I mean, we got a whole weekend for the most part, at least like Friday and Saturday. We got the moon and sag. Friday, it's gonna it's gonna sextile that Venus. Like, I mean, that to me. You know, Venus is opposing Jupiter. It's kind of kind of good times. Like, 
I feel like we got yeah. some stuff done during the week or we feel like we're on point to something. <laughs> and uh, I, I just feel like there's good energy in the air for that Friday, Saturday with uh, Venus finally home, Jupiter action, and then mm-hmm. the moon kind of try- chiming in there. So take advantage. Yeah, yeah uh, because, thank you, Sag Moon. Thank yeah, you. Th- yeah. Thank you for giving us that. Uh, um, now, the... It, well, and it's interesting too, because think about it. It's like, I want to say there's like a lightheartedness, right? You know, because when we can take, we can spend time with people that we love, we can have some laughs, we can let loose a little bit. On Sunday, on the 2nd of October, that's when uh, Mercury is stationing direct. So Mercury is emerging there too. So not to say that the weekend will be totally, you know, free from all the tricks that Mercury might have, but it's emerging, you know, this is a different, it's almost like, so there's, it's interesting. There's this lightness that kind of comes around as we're turning this mental page, right? And Mercury is finally coming out. Um, Now, granted, that will happen uh, on Sunday and we'll have a Capricorn moon. So maybe we'll lean more into the earthy, you know, serious practical side of things with Mercury emerging um, after we have our party moment. (laughs) Uh, But (laughs) it's kind of like a nice way to come out of it. At least I think so. Well, it's funny you say a nice way to come out of it because really here, because of Venus being in Libra, Mercury stationing, we kind of have a lot of the internalization that is what we've been talking about. Now, slowly things are coming out like uh, because of the Mercury station, just and inherently just because of the sociableness of Venus and Libra and the sun being in Libra, slowly there's a little bit more of the internal process and what has been reviewed Mm. It, and now it starts a little bit by little bit show itself. So, yeah. And it's so interesting because, right. But, you know, Mercury and Venus both play such big, you know, roles in our life. It's like how we perceive things, how we talk about things, how we relate mm-hmm. to others, where how we're feeling sense of harmony within ourselves. And it's like, we get to take this load off, so to speak, right before action takes place, right? Because on Sunday, uh, with that Capricorn moon, we got Mercury stationing direct and we have a first quarter moon in Capricorn. And that kind of sets things off. I mean, you know, first quarter moon's pushing, it's it's bringing action to the stage, it's in Capricorn. So we're getting something that's very, uh, you know, practical, physical, real world off the ground or feeling the tension to, mm-hmm. you know, we're probably thinking about what's happening on Monday. We're like, we're getting ready for the, getting ready for the week. Uh, we're, we, yeah. we're getting ready because yeah. we're like, okay, we've done this. I've, I've released a little with the Venus. Uh, my mind is on point. You know, because Mercury is essentially stationing direct with that trine to Pluto. So we have this focalized mercurial concentration this whole time. Like our head is to me in some game. Like we're like, okay, this is this is what's happening. And yeah. have that push off there. I I I really like it. It's like we can get down to business. Yeah, there's a lot that's been going on, and just as a reminder. This stationary point with Mercury in this weekend, we could go back here to the end of August. And and when Mercury was over these degrees, basically. So if you're looking for the the thread, you know, you can go back to that time when Mercury is 24, 25, 26 uh, in Virgo. You can, can make connections in the retrograde story here. And not that things just shoot out of the gate here, 
but you could start to piece something together if you haven't already. If you didn't start <laughs> to piece it together when Mercury was conjunct the sun, Kazemi, at least at this point, you get to start to see it and put it together. And if you need a reminder of what some of those things are, you can go back to the end of August. So that's just a quick something. No, yeah. I, I like that. It, well, yeah. it, 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 chances are that story is moving with new mm -hmm. pieces and new points of, uh, uh, yeah. you know, new new. POVs. Um, yeah. So, and it's interesting too, because as we launch off this week and there's kind of just a lot of energy to like get out there, get things done, our minds on point, we're starting off with the Capricorn energy. Um, there's not a whole lot of action actually that leads us up to the full moon that's coming uh, on the following Sunday on the ninth. It's like, uh, you know, the moon's going to move through Capricorn and Aquarius and, and Pisces. Of course, we're going to get some Saturn action. We'll get that. We'll get, well, actually, you know, let me back that up. Because to play off of what I was just saying with mm -hmm. Mercury going direct and get, you know, right? Because it's really slow again. It's yeah. get, it's trying to gain speed and it's all doing so in this trying to Pluto. Um, so... Merc so the moon will conjunct Pluto on Tuesday, uh, actually at a.m. So a lot of us will be sleeping <laughs> when, when this particular uh, thing happens. Um, but Mercury is then going to perfect its trine once more, the third trine with Pluto mm -hmm. on Thursday, I believe, on the 6th. But what's interesting is actually in between that when the moon is in aquarius because we're gonna we're gonna touch on this a little bit in the uh in the full moon that's coming up with uh in aries but saturn as nicholas pointed out a little earlier saturn's getting ready to emerge itself okay. it's going to go direct actually on the last day of libra season um or close to the last day and this is as close as Saturn and Uranus are going to get again, right? So they're they're both at 18 degrees at this point. So when we have a moon in Aquarius like going over Saturn there on Wednesday leading up to it, this is a big piece of the puzzle too. Yeah, it, trigger, it triggers, it triggers that. It. it triggers it, yeah. And, and for those who are always learning about astrology stuff, when you have smaller the inner planets or something like the moon if you want to if you want to track something or track how things go you can look to something in the moon to set outer body aspects off you know like sometimes you don't see it um well, saturn you do but sometimes with the outer bodies you're not going to catch it per se it isn't until another planet comes through and sets it off and then you can understand and so um Someone who is an Aquarius moon like me, thank you for this reminder. I'm definitely mark marking, your calendar. Yeah, I'm gonna mark this ca calendar. But um, but but on a deep, deep level uh, of Saturn, Uranus, structurally, and what happens behind the scenes in your own personal life and for the world, um, you have a uh, a type of tension. Yeah. Where there, obviously with any square, the release needs to happen. How does it happen is key. And, and it can be tough, honestly. The, the, this, this 
change and then the holding on to things, let's say with Saturn and then Uranus who wants to move things forward. And then they're kind of, the, I always use this thing of like two stop, two cars are running through a stop sign at the same time. And they're 90 degrees away from each other. And then something happens, they collide. And what breaks, what doesn't, like what comes out of something like that? So, you know, I think here in this particular case, you might see it more happening on the Saturn and Aquarius end because the moon is there mm-hmm. and that's where you might see it most obvious. It doesn't say it's the only piece of the story because Uranus and Taurus is there, but this is an ongoing longer term story for all of us and how we resist change, how we accept change. And can you take both sides somehow with you to the next place, you know, what do you leave behind and what do you take with you? You know, uh, so that's the simple way I could say this square because we can get all philosophical about it and plenty of articles on this stuff, but I just like to keep things simple. Um, when we talk about this, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, and I think it's, I think it's simple to say <laughs> that this particular week, you know, is going to have a lot of activity because it's mostly Mercury moving to, to merge. We have this lighting up of, this, the, of the Saturn Uranus piece that we we're just talking about here. Pluto is about to go direct on the 8th on Friday, or uh, what is that, Saturday? Yeah. Saturday. Saturday um, yeah. And that moon in Aquarius, actually, when it meets Saturn, kind of lights up like this tight, Saturn Uranus square about as tight as it's going to get again. We have it, you know, the the moon is trining, coming off a trine with the sun. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, the sun is slowly going to make this trine with Saturn too. So, you know, when Nicholas is talking about like leaning into the Saturn piece of it, I think you're absolutely right because it, the sun is coming into this and Venus is going to come into this and they're all going to connect with Saturn here. And if you listen to the last episode on Mars retrograde and we were going through the eclipses coming up, um, that lunar eclipse is going to be in a square to Saturn. So you can absolutely think if we're, if we're touching down on Saturn now, there's a big piece that is connecting with this. Um, as it's preparing to emerge, Pluto's emerging, Mercury's everything's emerging, everything's popping out like it's yep, spring, but it's, it's fall. <laughs> yep, it's it's. I know. It, well, for some of them, for some of us who are listening, it's you say it's spring, spring, but yeah. <laughs> but but in general, that there's movement that's happening here in, in a way and on multiple levels on the very like you could say very in front of you level with Mercury, you know, but then Saturn, it's very tangible you can work with it that's why i was saying lean on the saturn because even though it can be tough it's made to be worked with that's what it's all about that is what it's all about about. as long as you don't reject it you know you gotta work work with it yeah Um, there's a famous uh, let me say this there's mm -hmm. a uh, rob hand wrote a book he's an astrologer called essays on astrology and there's an essay in there on the malefics and he he basically says when it comes to saturn anything Listen, I'm a Saturn astrologer. I have Saturn in my purse. People who come to me, they're having a Saturn story. So I've just been doing this for years. And I tell them that Saturn brings temporary rule sets. And this is what Rob talks about in his essay. If you can, if you can accept 
the temporary rule set that's not maybe the rule set you want to deal with that kind of takes the little of, of the fun of life. Like your friends are out partying and then Saturn's like, you have to stay home and work on something. But it's like, it's 85 degrees. My friends are partying. And you're like, no, I, I, you can't. Saturn's like, you got to do this. And it's if you realize and accept it's temporary, the rule set, it's not forever, then you could start to work with it. Then it's not a, a weight on your shoulders and the resistance that Saturn bring, that's when you start to work with it is when you accept reality. And so for those listening, you're going to go check out a very clear way of looking at the Malefics. It's in that book, uh, Rob Hand, Essays on Astrology. So quick book thing right there. I love that. You know, what it makes me think of too is the, the good rule of thumb where it's like, do the hard work first. Do the thing you don't want to do first so you can do the easy thing or do the play afterwards. Yeah. Because if you play or you do the easy thing first, the hard thing is just going to be that much harder. Yep. You fear you, know? you start to fear it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it's like, it's almost like roll up your sleeves, get in there. You know, I feel like just the the connection of earth energy uh, for the week of um, this week of October 3rd with mercury i think i feel like earth is going to be shifting things are going to be moving life is going to be transitioning and we might have to roll up our sleeves especially midweek um because we're in saturn territory but we're doing it because we want balance right we're in this libra season we're doing it because we're trying to harmonize things Mm -hmm. we're trying to move things forward we see the bigger picture of it and so it's like just just get in there do it you know because it's like we, you know, the the moon is going to continue to wax and wax. We'll get that Pisces moment where maybe we, you know, we'll get a little on on the weekend, Friday and Saturday. We'll have some, some Pisces <laughs> that, moon is action. That Pisces moment, someone <laughs> microdosing the, 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 the whole weekend. Yeah, like, yeah. Is, that, is that what that <laughs> is, is? That what's happening? <laughs> perhaps, perhaps, right? Perhaps, yeah, um, yeah. You know, we're going to get that moon Neptune uh, action, um, but. You know, we got to think of that the all the energy is apexing to the Sunday's full moon in Aries. And when we have a full moon in Aries, you know, these are fr- this is like a fresh start that's culminating. This is cardinal energy. This is something having to show up for something uh, that could actually be rather fast. You know, like I think about Aries a lot of times with crisis. <laughs> like, yeah, like you've had yeah. a full moon in Aries, you know, you don't know what can necessarily happen. Not to paint that picture. I don't want to scare people. Um, but there is that kind of like jumping in and jumping into the fire and just being really activated. Uh, that is part of like to me an Aries full moon but it also creates the tension once again where this you know I versus you mm-hmm. the balance of the opposites etc and so I mean what what do you see uh mid mid uh, afternoon late evening so in the northern hemisphere or at least here in the U.S. we are going to be awake for it <laughs> so what do you think Nicholas I cannot help but look at the wounded healer right there. I know. And I, know. I left that out, actually. That you was a big thing be- with this week. Maybe I did that. Was that a Freudian slip? Like, I, or I, don't, <laughs> I don't think that's a Freudian slip, but did I yeah. purposeful ig- ignoring uh, that? But because the sun does oppose Chiron it does. on Friday, two days before, but it is definitely in this moon. It's in, it's in play. I, you yeah. know, for, for I think the whole thing too of what we talked about this whole time of like, 
the compiling of our thoughts and the internalization during the retrograde. And then we, then we have the equinox of what, uh, uh, and, and what Venus wants to do and harmonize and, and hearing and seeing all sides and the relating and, and the aesthetic and, and your senses and the politics of relating, you know, and here we have a, like a pinnacle moment here because it's like, what about me? Yeah. What about me? Because what can happen is when the Libra story gets off balance, mm-hmm. you is, <laughs> anybody knows any Libra they're in a relationship with one or or the or Libra's out there. There is a moment always where you're like, where did this Libra person whose Venus ruled is just always chill, it's always good listening, have an e- emotional explosion that is like, where did this come from? And, you know, when the archetypal story of Libra, when it gets off balance and it doesn't get to its needs met and, and it's it's uh, t- it's making sacrifices, everyone else gets heard first and everyone at the party got to say what they had to say, but Libra didn't or, or so on and so forth. At some point, it does come out. And so it could play out that way too. And so if it's you're by yourself as a Libra or you're, 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 let's say you're, you're a Libra and you're with an Aries and what could happen with each other. It's like, you learn from the Aries, you learn to speak your mind and speak your needs first and foremost, because that's what the Aries mood is going to do. It's going to say me, feed me. This is what I want. Instinctual, impulsive now. So there's a lesson for Libra to learn it at every Every Aries full moon, I think, is to learn the balance of that and the other way around of what what a, a, an Aries moon could learn from the Libra way of doing things of just not jumping through really quick and just trying to see past themselves when it comes to relating. So I, this is some basic stuff that I'm saying here, but I think it's really in play because of the setup we've had here, what we've been talking about, about discussions, about the word, about internalization and now it comes out in situations like this and you know and venus getting closer to the sun (laughs) she's like sweating yeah Um, (laughs) yeah and there's there's layers layers being burnt off in a sense like there's layers of venus getting closer to the sun it's raw it's getting raw just for that and then you bring in just an inherent raw energy raw power raw everything with the moon and aries and full moon, it's all out there in the open. There's no hiding. There's no something. And and by the way, this could be really hot. By the way, like yeah. in general, and like in general, could, yeah, like yeah. just in, uh, it'd be very hot. Yeah. Um, but, well, and it's uh, interesting too. I think you made some really good points there because I, I love the word that you used, raw, because yeah. there is a rawness to this, right? You know, because the moon is essentially going to cross over uh, Chiron first, Venus and then Chiron before mm-hmm. it meets the sun. And, you know, Chiron and Aries there, it's it's just like, and I feel like I, I want to say that you're a Chiron and Aries native. I was just right? in my mind. Yeah, thinking, like, yeah I'm, I'm going to pick your brain return. about that. Yep. Um, but yep. I, I think about the rawness of, yeah, like you said, what about me? Or, and it might even be so much what about me either. It's just like the, 
the instinct that comes up with Aries that it can put you in a place of the wound, what the wound might look like with you're not even being like necessarily cerebral about it. Like it just was mm-hmm. going to boil something to the surface that then starts to play on the, the I versus the we, because essentially Venus who's getting really hot and next to the sun is going to oppose Chiron right after this. But we also have to take an effect into effect that, um, Mars over there in Gemini is getting really close to this square with Neptune that's coming just a few days later. So Mars is not necessarily thinking clearly either, you know, like there could be a part of the thing, you know, I feel like sometimes when we're going for our own agenda or we're connecting with the wound, we can grasp at straws or we can get to the victim mentality or Mm -hmm. the, you know, so I feel like there is this part of that, part of the aggression, right? Because I mean, aggression and anger and this can all come up with an Aries full moon, right? You know, where it all just blows. Um, But I feel like it's coming from a place that either, that might not be entirely clear, whether that's in the sense that we're either deceiving ourselves or deceiving other. I mean, there could be deception in the air that comes out with this too, where certain relationships, you know, all of a sudden you maybe people were out for themselves and you didn't see it or yep. I don't know. There's yep. there, yeah, there's these parts that come, come up, but it also, we can be taken by surprise of like what's behind there too, because I mean, Mars, Neptune, I mean, what do you think? Okay. I want to know about Mars, Neptune. I also want to hear your thoughts on Chiron. Oh, and Chiron. I have some thoughts. Yeah. I, I know I, you do. <laughs> I, I, I'm so glad though. You're so glad you brought the Mars Neptune here because Mars and Gemini is ruling you yeah. know, the moon in Aries and the Chiron in Aries and obsession mm-hmm. is a thing that could happen here with, with uh, and, and what I mean by that, with the Mars driving and then the, the, the square with Neptune, this, it's like, you can get lost in something that you think is real and obsess about it and, and like take it in and want to take in as much as you can with it because you think it's real. You, you think it, 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 it can be completely delusional and like you can get high off of that. that that's something to be careful of mm. there at the same, you know, and for those who have aspects like this, like a Mars, Neptune in your chart, what you do to um, take yourself away from things, how you so-called quote unquote disconnect or how you enter the dream world, or how you deal with visions, and so on and so forth. There's interesting energy that happens there, but if you're dealing with rawness in the end, and the me first, it could totally be the, a victim mode, or like, look what you did to me. And it might not even be real, what it is. But if it's touching upon a wound, Chiron, it, it, you are not, it's not just in your head. You're real, you could be reliving something Mm. on an emotional level and it you're not right there's no right or wrong there but it's just a reliving what could happen and in in those moments it's really hard to be objective you know it's you (laughs) it's just it's touching not just your mind now we're talking mind here i'm bringing mind up because of mars and gemini and what's going to happen with with neptune what could happen in the mind and the fantasy and the fog and the illusions but it doesn't stay it stick there i think because of this full moon i think it can hit the rawest of places and that can be hard at the other side of this the rawest of places can be exposed through a little bit of a some vessel that Mars and Neptune do to, together, you know, Mars going through the vessel of Neptune, 
Maybe it is a dream that you wake up with that morning, that, that something that you've been suppressing, mm. something that's been internalized so deep for whatever reason, just for pure survival mode so you can live on this dang planet and get through the day that it exposes itself in some other way. You can actually be creative with some of this. If we're talking about, re- we're talking about remediation, you can use the Mars-Neptune square in a way where you can filter things out and run through a vessel to, to, to deal with what hurts or what you feel is a need to, to say, hey, this is what I need and this is what I want. Because for some of us and for many, they don't know how to ask for what they want or need. And mm. it gets into the world of passive aggressiveness where you don't state what you want and need because you're in fear of rocking the boat which is a Libra story a lot of the times too. It's like they're not going to say the ultimate truth or what they need sometimes because it can disrupt the harmonization that was built up to that point. So I'm trying to bring it all the way around and connect it, you know, and not leave any of you listening or watching saying that you're effed with the transit like this or what could that, but it definitely is triggering. I, I, it's a definite raw thing. It's just remember you have the choice. You have tools available to you, you know. Now, saying that, you asked me about Chiron. <laughs> so, as someone who's having their Chiron return, I'm 51 years old. As someone who's been dealing with this with my on a client level, I've done videos on this too. I, I, um, I have, I just let me say this out there. You Aries people out there or people who have planets in Aries, whatever degrees, right now we're, Chiron's here at 14 degrees, but you're at the midpoint. I feel for you. I feel for you because there, there's a type of vulnerability involved in here that, that even a, a typical airy story is to show themselves or so on and so forth. But there's the other part of the Aries and Mars story of protection and armor and sword and shield. And what happens to, to upkeep something like that, to upkeep the armor, upkeep the fight. And sometimes you can't fight. Sometimes part of a warrior's life is to descansar. And when I say descansar, is to like rest in Spanish. Mm-hmm. You have to rest. You have to tend to your own wounds. And not only that, sometimes you've got to show people that stuff. You know, and that can be so hard. So I feel you out there, you uh, Aries people, planets with uh, people with Mars and Aries, people without that, because you raw, not only you've, not only you've f- been fighting, your wounds have been exposed. They're, they're, some of the wounds have been bleeding. Now, it, you've been along this uh, Chiron and Aries trip, you've been uh, attending to those wounds and finding the tools. But here is a major part of the story here this year with this full moon. And it's like, I, I, I'm not telling people what to do here my Aries people or signatures like that. But I think vulnerability is huge. And I think if you have the space and the vessel and the tools and the people to support you, you don't have to do it alone, my Aries people. You don't have to be the loner on the path. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to be vulnerable and it's okay to find the tools. And in the end, you're going to get what you really want anyway to be seen for your purest, raw self, to, to put your will into the world, wounds and all, but to be supported at the same time. You don't have to walk alone. So 
that's a weird way of talking about the Chiron and Aries story. And personally, for me, it's been a story of that, of learning to ask and learning to tend to wounds and not take on the lone wolf mentality. Mm. Not only that, when you're dealing with a society that teaches men to buck up, to swallow the pain, to, to do it alone, to not show your feelings, to not, to not be vulnerable. Even in 2022, we've had a lot happen in the last 40, 50 years when it comes to gender roles and so on and so forth. Bill, but there's still this thing and you see it in society and you see it in our politics. You see it everywhere. You see this having to buck up and to fight and whatever, but you could see right past it. You could see right past it. And when you look right past it and look into the eyes of this, you see wounds and fear and a wanting to be seen and loved. So if we think about this, Chiron and Aries, that's my version of it. It's like to be a warrior is to show yourself. It doesn't mean just swinging the sword. To be a warrior is to show your heart. So I just went on, <laughs> I just went on their uh, rant, another rant there, um, Melissa. But, but you uh, know, I, I, like, I like a good rant, especially a passionate yeah. one. Yeah. And, one that, and you're speaking from a place of, of knowing, you know, like, I mean, yeah. that, that's the thing is it's like, you're not uh, conceptualizing what this might be yeah. like. You have experience. <laughs> you know, it's also you know. accepting. I think, I think being in the middle of a Chiron return, you're, you're, it's the typical thing in the astrology world that you hear. Like a lot of times you're having a personal transit and then the clients you're getting or storylines that you're oh, getting yeah. is the same thing. Tapping so right like you, you're, that's when you think you don't, you thank your clients to yourself at night because they're bringing you like clarity at the same time. And at, 100%. The, same time, at the same time, it's reciprocated because of your inner knowledge and you're able to help people and they're helping you, you know? So that anyway, that's... Uh, no, I, 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 I love that you shared that. And I love how you brought up the idea of like not having to do it all alone and like having to mm-hmm. ask for help and like being... Um, honoring the vulnerable parts in oneself, because I mean, this really, to me speaks to the idea too, of the Mars Neptune piece, because Neptune is very vulnerable. That that is a very vulnerable place. You know, grief lives there, you know, like uh, having Mm -hmm. to show, you know, what you might, I don't want to say be lacking, but you know, like when we think about the, once again, the GoFundMe, the idea of like, I need help here. I need, yeah. I, I need to show like, this is where that comes in. And I think there, there's really something to be said about that. Just when we think about the lead up to this full moon on October 9th, is that starting October 7th, when we actually have the sun Chiron opposition, the exact one there, that's when the, that night, the moon is going to cross over, uh, uh, Neptune and square Mars. So there's like this lead in that happens, uh, on Friday, the seventh, that is going to play into this understanding of, or even the the storyline. Once again, we're back to like chapters or paragraphs of what Mars and the Mars square Neptune is going to look like, but it's coinciding with this sun Chiron piece uh, that is going to culminate into a full moon. And I mean, we have to look at the idea of like the rising energy that is taking us from Pisces, yeah, that vulnerable space and that emotional space and to this, the, the me and the ch- challenge and sometimes the crisis and the personal story 
that comes in with Aries. So we're, we're seeing these two signs back to back. So everything that you were saying really started to paint the, that picture in my mind of bringing that the wounded, you know, personalized experience and having to show the vulnerability and um, yeah, it's like asking a- for help. Like that Pisces moon and its conjunction to Neptune and what's about to do. The other way, the way is like saying, it's like you're lifting veils yeah. or veils are being lifted, you know, and, and you're, you're touching the divine and, and, and that. And then it gets like, raw and personal. And, right it gets, and then you're like bringing that into raw and personal. Like, yeah. uh, it, I, again, I could see something like this situation where that's such an intense movement of energy that I can understand why people, when they touch upon these places, find ways to, it's overwhelming. It's too much. That's why I bring up the tool aspect and the support because, because of that. So, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and just saying there too, I mean, common sense maybe, but uh, it's like that weekend on Friday, don't test the limits. Don't test the limits or I'm just going to take a little bit more of this or I'll have another one of these or I'm just going to do because it's a little bit of a dangerous territory there, I have to say. Uh, And I think it'll be a very interesting week or at least lead up to the weekend for the U.S. too, because we have that that Mars Neptune square in our chart and we're having a Mars return to the U.S. uh, Mars at the same time. Yeah, so just FYI. Twitter that weekend, Twitter and what people do and stuff like yeah. what they'll the say. The whole week, and, the weekend yeah. is going to be yeah. in, insane, right? With the Mercury, yeah. Pluto. So, uh, you know, not a lot going on in the skies, but tons going on in the skies. Like, it's, you know, it's not. No, this is a fascinating. This is a fascinating month, actually, out of the year because of the, the intricacies of the transits within a, a small period of time. So, yeah. So here, all right. So we go on from that, uh, that Aries full moon on the ninth. Um, and the next day on the 10th, as we start our Monday work week, which is not everyone's work week, but you know, Monday we have, uh, uh, Mercury actually is going to move back in to Libra, uh, that day that actually that night there, but, um, mm-hmm. Mercury's going to move back into Libra. We have, uh, the moon moving into Taurus at that point. We also have, um, yeah. So basically, okay. So let's think about Mercury moving back into Libra on the 10th. And then two days later on Wednesday, Mercury is going to make that third opposition with yep. Jupiter that we started off the conversation about and we're um, currently in as we record as this we currently are in yeah. as we record mm-hmm. this um so there there's something that wraps up to me with that as well like there's there's a, a chapter that so <laughs> you know we're turning a page on that mercury jupiter and jupiter just in general too because keep in mind that the new moon uh, oppose Jupiter. So Mercury coming around and being kind of the last planet that is going to, other than the moon, that's going to contact Jupiter before it moves back into Pisces, I'm pretty sure, um, is is interesting to think about too. Yeah, I I, I think so. I Obviously, the third chapter in the story here, and, and I think things are applicable here at this point. <clears throat> and um, let's not forget the questing quality of Jupiter. Mm. Wherever it's at, it's, it's, it's at one degree Aries at this point retrograding back. It's about to hit 
the 28 and 29 degree of Pisces. Get to that in a second. But let's not forget the questing nature. What in the end, what Jupiter wants to do? Yeah, anything it touches, it makes 10 times bigger, uh, so on and so forth. But on a deeper level, there is a philosophical quest happening. And, you know, when you get to put words to the quest, or you've been formulating the words to something like this, and this is what how I can see this opposition happening at the third chapter here, it is there's an art to all of this. There's an art to the quest. There's the raw initial power and will of Aries, and then you have the art of art that happens with Libra and, and, and Venus ruling Libra. But here's Mercury there, and the, could be the words that have, have culminated, the, the, the text the 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 cuneiform it's created the cuneiform the, 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 cuneiform, the, the, the <laughs> philosophical mantra the text of something the of 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 the code of one's code or what has come through through this journey at the third chapter you know and and the code or or this mantra of what it's been to go through this process of understanding and relating through the retrograde through the Libra birthdays, through Venus and Libra, you know, um, again, opposition can sound, the word sounds a certain way, but at this point, after three of them, I like to take the view is an art piece was created and maybe you can too. Yeah. Well, and it's, so let's think, let's think about our art piece that's being created Mm -hmm. because we have a couple other things that are going in line uh, at the same time that are going to play into a lot of what Nicholas and I were talking about earlier. So sandwiching between Mercury moving back into Libra and uh, it meeting the opposition with Jupiter for the third time, that day in between on Tuesday of the 11th, we have an interesting combination of both the sun trining Saturn and then Mars making its first official square to Neptune. On the same day, we have a Taurus moon lighting up the Saturn-Uranus conjunction. So talk about that third chapter, right? <laughs> the third story. Yeah. There's an interesting lead up with Saturn, with Mars, with Neptune, with the stationing of Mercury or Mars retrograde that's about to happen with Saturn about to emerge as well, you know, Pluto's yeah. also going forward at this point. There's, I feel like something goes down <laughs> around yeah. this day. And then that's the chapter. Like we might see, you know, because essentially Jupiter is under the rule of this Mars Neptune piece. So mm-hmm. yeah, it feels like there's a, yeah, I feel like, I don't want to say blindsided, but there, there's something that develops that it, it starts a whole different sort of quest, <laughs> I think. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right here. It, it's one thing I'm talking about the art piece, but um, there's ways that the art piece can be manipulated or made. I, I, if I were to take one beginning angle, I'm looking at the construction and the palette of the mind because of, of the sun-Saturn connection in air signs. So, you know, we talked about a Mars-Saturn thing earlier. And then we talk about how Saturn's going to be at this point and playing off and and, and other things down the line with eclipses, so on and so forth. But I I liked, if you want to use the art piece, the palette of the mind, this is one way I'm looking at it. I can look at it. But is there electricity and unpredictableness and, and 
things coming out of the blue? Yes. 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 <laughs> yes. If you can flow with that and ride the lightning, that's what, that's a Metallica Metallica. Song. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you can do that and you're comfortable with it, then I think it flows. But if you haven't been paying attention every time the moon has been touching Uranus every month, you know, maybe you need to look at your back history to see how you deal. But yeah. that's, that's no joke. And that particular point right there with the Taurus stuff and what we're talking about, those are eclipse points in the end. Yes, that's true. So, you know, that can be heavy because we're dealing with major goodbyes and severing uh, over a year and a half with the eclipses and, uh, and, and stories with that here. So that it can go, it can go down that way. Now to go back to what you asked me about the palette and an art piece, I still believe in it. I still believe in something like that. If you're looking for a way to, um, to use it. And, and, and to be real with it, but it, it does it mean it's going to go the way you want it to the whole time? No, I, I just can't not at what's happening with, with Uranus and the moon and all that stuff. So I, I you know, for me, well, um, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's interesting. And I want to play off your, pa your palette idea and the art piece yeah. is that, um, you know, cause we had Mars meet Saturn. I thought it had a plan. Mm -hmm. Yep. Sun comes along, you're like, sun's like, you know what? Guess what? We're seeing Saturn a little bit differently. And so Mars, you might need to make some some concessions with the whole Neptune piece. And then of course, you know, we're getting this eclipse precursor. But there's one thing if you're an artist, for the most part, unless you're a very precise one that likes to lay things out exactly. When you start to create form in a, a work of art, you don't always know where that's going to take you. Yeah. You like yeah. start to make something and then you thought it was going to be this, but all of a sudden then you start looking at it a little bit differently. And now you see a form that wasn't there before. So then you start to draw in this direction because the form is, is morphing. Right. And I mean, I feel like this is very Mars Neptune. There's a, yeah. there's a morphingness because now we see the light or we see the form or we see the shape in a, in a different way, in a different aesthetic, it with a different balance. It's not leaning left anymore. Now it's leaning right. And so there's something here that seems very, it, it doesn't seem as shocking and forceful. It's changed, but it almost has, because there's, tr there's trines and squares, it has this kind of organic nature, if that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah. Can you I'm flow saying. with that? Can you, yeah, can back you, to that. yeah. Yeah. And can you, once you start on your piece and your creativeness, can you recognize the moment of not trying to control it all and have actually the mystery of what you're creating lead you somewhere else and to go with the flow? So you need structure. Obviously you start off, but then you have to almost let yourself be taken away uh, as in all ritual, actually, mm. as in if we were talking about our piece, but let's just say what it really is in the end. Life is a ritual and, and we have these these things that we do and how we do it. And it's how we learn each time we do a ritual, what happens. And so in this particular case, I, by the way, because I know you're so multifaceted Melissa, in your life as a creative person. So I know you know this, you speak your truth. So I, I think the way you're coming across is, is so on point and, and that there's still something that's here to be done. But at the same time, um, you have to manage something free flowing and something possibly caustic at the same time. 100%. Yeah, like yeah. that's, 
Well, and okay, this leads us exactly where we're going with it, right? You know, because Venus, her, she's sweating just that much more. She's getting real (laughs) close to the sun and she is mimicking all the sun's moves. So let's go back to the idea I think we started with when we were talking about Venus and receptivity, Mm -hmm. right? You know, here's the sun makes us very aware of something with the Saturn piece. And now Venus is coming up to trine Saturn uh, on just two days later on the 13th on Thursday, as we go after we go through this point, you know, but now we got, we got the moon and Gemini. So there is going to be this kind of flowing uh, yeah. energy, air energy with this Venus sun piece. So I, I feel like we're, mi- so it's interesting because I want to give kind of a bigger picture to what's going on here, because I feel like Venus is going to help flow you know, we're going to have different ideas. We're going to have different possibilities that start to form. It's all in relation to Saturn, but you know, there's, there's potential there, but it leads us into tricky territory because as time goes on, uh, and we have a last quarter moon, uh, in cancer, I'm just going to give like a bigger picture here. We have a last quarter moon in cancer. The sun is going to square Pluto. And then Venus is going to follow up. So let's go back to our Venus trying. Let's <laughs> yeah. go back to our Venus trying Saturn. Let's just make that memory. Remember this let's, let's trying. Just, let's just make that trying, you know, that air trying. Grand air trying is flown with the moon, Saturn, and, and Venus and the sun. But we're leading into sculpting, change, transition, mm-hmm. big questions, big shifts that come immediately after that. So, I mean, any, I think that's the next thing that happens, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. So the sun trines Mars at that point, cause you know, we're getting these air trines that are happening. So Venus, Saturn, the moon, the sun, they're all flowing. Sun, that moon, Mars, sun is going to flow. We have a flow. We have this airflow. Yep. And let's, all let me, of a sudden. Me, yeah, I'll, yeah, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> no, all of a sudden. I'm just going to say all of a sudden, but go on with your thought. <laughs> oh, I just want to actually wanted to say something here because, because we have something interesting happening in general because of Mars being in Gemini that you pay attention to every time Mar- the moon is in Gemini every yeah. month and what happens because... I just know this This happened last week. I heard a lot of stories. I did this, I did that. And I was running, tra- I was in traffic and my emails were coming through and blah, 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 blah. You know, just to say that from an air point of view and you got air planets, it could flow for you. You actually get a lot of stuff done with transits like this. But just in general, moon, Mars is going to be happening for seven straight months now. And yeah. that, that in a sense, you should just mark it on your calendar and see what happens to you in the Gemini part of your chart. I, I, just because it's a rare deal. Um, anyway, so no, I think that's a great point to, yeah, yeah. to you know, because we do want to pay attention to this because yeah. as we pay attention to this, right? I mean, this moon Mars action on uh, the 14th uh, Friday, um, that's the last conjunction of moon Mars before Mars goes retrograde. Yep. Mm-hmm. So uh, you, once again, we're talking about precursor and there's a lot of precursor, but it's a precursor flow with Venus Sun in Libra, Saturn in Aquarius, and then the Moon Mars in in Gemini. So there's a lot of activity. You know, there's a lot of activity that takes place this week. Maybe some things happen on Tuesday. The tides shift, and now we're just in this flow. We're going with it. All tons of correspondence is coming in. Don't yep. check your text while you're driving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't don't do it. Don't do it. Because sometimes I, with flows, everything happens so fast. 
that, you know, you're like, this, 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 this happened, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. And if, I mean, there's some of us that can, that normally handle something like this. Cause I have grand air trying to my chart in general, but like you can handle it, but actually something like this could, some people are not used to it. Um, and things do build up in the week and there's the weekend. And I think even on the social media angle, internet angle, there's mm. a lot that could happen here. Yeah. Just the the amount of information being put out there and what's exchanged or what in the 24 hours becomes popular just for 24 hours, how oh. it could take something over and how people are communicating about it. Just what can happen in that way. This is, this is how it works with, with air planets and stuff. So, yeah, yeah. I, exactly. I feel like if, if there's a viral moment. <laughs> yep, there it is. It, it, here it is, yep. you know, this week in general. Yeah. So, so let's keep that in mind. You know, we get through this, this Gemini moon phase, that's lighting all this up. Uh, I mean, I think this is, it will be interesting for just working out with relationships just as a whole, right? You know, the sun is trining the Mars component and Venus is trining Saturn. So we have our uh, eclipse planets at play. We have our relationships planets at play. Mm -hmm. So there can be definitely changing <clears throat> turning points there and also uh, talking points, you know, where there's a lot of ideas or correspondence in the sky. Uh, but then we have our last quarter moon. So we kind of get through, uh, oh, I think I have the wrong date on that. Or maybe I don't. No, I think I do. Yeah. Oh, no. Sorry. My notes, you know, you're always going to have no, some. Okay. I'm looking at them too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it looks like it's like Sunday, Monday. So we're going to have this uh, last quarter moon actually Monday in cancer, which is always interesting, right? We're pushing, we're having this another turning cardinal turning point. We're pushing, uh, to like maybe a, a finish or a, a turning point that has to do with home family foundation. If anybody's like moving right now or like sorting out like, uh, kind of foundational aspects with, uh, Cancerian placements, nurturing, having having a moment with yourself of like what's nourishing and nurturing in your life and how that's changing. Um, because we're getting that last quarter moon on Monday is going to bring us into this Sun-Pluto square, essentially, uh, which Venus will follow suit uh, when they both square on the the 19th there. So like the 17th and the 18th and the 19th that leads us in with the last quarter in Cancer, we're in this Pluto territory where all of a sudden that party of the air now is like, <laughs> how does this work yeah. in the earth? How does it work in the earth? How do I feel about it? How is this? Oh, okay. This is getting, this is getting real. Um, yep. <laughs> the intensity it's building up, uh, Venus, Pluto. Uh, I cannot help but think about the beginning of this year when I look at this because of what happened when the Venus retrograde in Capricorn and the yeah. points that it made and the aspects it made from, from Christmas last year, what happened January, February, and there was multiple Venus Pluto aspects that happened, you know, and, and in a sense, a deeper story here, because now you have not just the sun, of Venus coming to this place. Yeah. And I don't want in the bend on what she started there. Yep. Is and it's hitting the points during that retrograde and certain things that happened. And remember what eventually happened was Venus and Mars were together in the sky in Capricorn and then still stayed together. Venus overlapped and then went into Aquarius. 
Oh, that's a whole other thing. But I, I don't want to forget what happened at the beginning of this year, how we started with a major Venus Pluto story. Yeah. And and here we are, you know, and and yeah, we've had the sociableness of the air signs and, and, and the flow and the constructing and all that. But whenever Pluto's involved in the end, and the, uh, let's say from the squaring or the oppositional angle, but the squaring in this case, the sun and Venus, now you have major power play involved in relate in relating. Yeah. You know, and, and uh control, power, uh, 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 coming to a head uh, with certain relational items, situations. Well, it's, it's like, it's all well and good when you're just talking about it and you're detached <laughs> from it and it's just a concept or a story or an idea, but add the actual, what has to change within it or what deeper emotions have to be felt or, you know, just being in the thick of it. So it's like, that's kind of why it's like it gets real in the sense that yeah. and in in I love that you pointed out the previous journey with uh, Venus and Pluto there because once again, let's go back to the chapters. Like yeah. this is not a new news. This is going to be a turning point in that larger story that the her previous retrograde was birthed in. And so let's think about that because what are we leading to right after this mm-hmm. is the Venus, you know, she's getting, oh, she's hot now. She is sweating. She needs some <laughs> sunblock um, because on Friday, uh, or no, actually it's on, I mean, the whole, this whole week, she's getting so close, but on Saturday, the 22nd, I believe it's on the 22nd, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. She makes her conjunction with the sun, which is a big turning point within relation to her her retrograde cycle that makes the inferior conjunction to the sun, yep. right? So she goes retrograde on this Pluto piece. And then right before she's going to make her superior conjunction with the sun, she's like taps into this where she started with it all, you know? Yeah, it's like an underworld story again. Yeah. And, and, you, and, and like Pluto starts it off, <laughs> like the, the leading down into... Or the reminder of, uh, you know, depending on what stories you like to use with the underworld story, whether you're using Anana or you're using Kalima or the numerous ones out there, Hades, Persephone, the, whatever you're using, understanding there is there is another uh, closing out, I would say, and another version of what a metaphorical uh, ending or death is. That's how I look at things like this with Pluto, Venus, but in general with Venus, Sun, especially with Venus, the cycle, what happens, what is it, 16 months? You have the two months where she disappears Mm -hmm. here with the Sun and then there's the seven months evening or seven months morning or what morning star. Whatever the case is here, you have a moment of of letting go and, 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 and the purification process that comes with the conjunction with the Sun. There's a lot of people in the astrology world. I, I think it's been actually in the last 20 plus years that this is becoming a major thing to be talked about in the astrology world. And I'm happy for it because I, I think with, when you track Venus and with the type of Venus that you have in the chart and what phase that it's in and so on and so forth, you can go really deep with this stuff. But I think it's very tangible and could be used in one's world and ritualized. So this ritual, this ritual of Venus 
meeting the sun. Um, if you're all out there listening, think of it as a purification process and, and the shedding of, of what needs to go. And it's, by the way, sacred and natural. It's been happening since this world has been turning. It's super effing precise. What it what Venus does in the sky, all sacred geometry, everything you want to talk about this stuff. I'm not the uh, uh, you know the authority on the Venus story like other astrologers we know are, but but as a Venus ruled person, um, I have come to not only appreciate moments like this, but to let myself go into the story remember you all are the story it's not separate the reason why we chase story and myth it's because it's the closest thing we have to understanding ourselves and it always will be if you want to take a story on of shedding your skin or let's say you got placements around 29 degrees cardinal or something like that or whatever do it it's yours it's yours to do that with you know, it's yours to let go. It's yours. It's yours to say goodbye and, and to be part of something like that and part of a ritual and to be not just in control, but to let yourself go into it um, and still be alive, but still be able to die, I guess, you yeah, know, just be a to little let, stripped. Yeah, pretty much. So um, I don't anyway. No, um, no, I, I love that because. It's, a, it's an important piece and it's such an interesting lead up to it with the, you know, the square to Pluto and the sun and Venus both having trined Mars right before. And mm-hmm. we were in this big relationship territory. And I mean, look at the look at the moon there in Virgo. Like we're getting very close to a solar eclipse. Like it's not like yeah. this happens and it's not, you know, and then we're just going about another day. Like this is a balsamic dark phase of the moon yep. getting ready to be eclipsed. It's in a, you know, you hear Shu talk about in the last episode about, you know, this actually taking point place in a Venus star point that's not mm-hmm. activated, you know, the 29 degrees of Libra. So that's a whole shift too. the 29 degrees of Libra was where the Aries uh, moon or sorry, the Aries ingress moon was for the whole world. You know, so there's an interesting turning point here too, with the sun and Venus conjuncting there as well. And it's just, you know, it's a fascinating time. And the irony, I'm going to be at a wedding that day in Gainesville, <laughs> Georgia. Really? People that have nothing to do with astrology yeah. picked this day. Obviously. <laughs> to be, to be wed. Yeah. Um, and I think Nicholas, we forgot to say, cause we're so carried away by the Sun-Venus component, is Saturn is stationing direct on this day as well. So uh, th- it's big. There is This is a big weekend. It's a big yeah. shift. It's leading us into a, another big shift. And I'm going to be on vacation, so... <laughs> well, I know you'll make the best of the vacation. I, I also know that many of us have been waiting for Saturn to station to move forward here, and this is the last time that Saturn yeah. in a sense does part of a retrograde story because it finally moves. And then when we get to spring, it's going to leave Aquarius finally and go into Pisces. There isn't going to be any more Saturn Aquarius retrogrades. Uh, uh, so for those who are keeping track of this, this is a, this is a moment you can actually like in a Saturnian way, celebrate uh, if it's some low key celebration. Um, uh, I'm going to, um, but, but again, at the same time with, 
an anoretic degree, 29 degree Venus uh, Sun Kazemi and what that means, there is an ending. There, there is just an end of something big here. And, and if we were to concentrate and think about a lot of what we've been talking about here, about Venus and Libra and this month and, you know, and you just can't help it when you say all those words together, go into relationships. Does it mean that your relationships are ending? Maybe. Does it mean if you're a Libra that, that you have a relationship ending? No, not really. But I, I think you have to find where the ending is and how it's playing out in your life. Uh, you can also look to the Libra part of your chart, you know, for it's. And remember, when you when I say ending, there's another word that is along with that, and it's beginning. Yeah. And 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 to not to know that that's that's part of it. It's not just ending and that you're done. It's beginning. So it could be the most subtlest of of, of shifting that happens or it's dramatic and very obvious but whatever the case is um um accept and let yourself go into that ending beginning process so um just to harp on that again yeah no i think it's right on because it's yeah. like when we talk about when you were talking about like the myths that you attach yourself with with like the the underworld or the idea of well for me, and I was talking about this in the Venus retrograde episode that I did, it's like one of the, the kind of like underworld myths that I associate with relating. And I think this goes into what we were just saying is the skeleton woman and the idea of uh, death. Uh, love is experienced in death, birth, death. It's like the secret to any long-term relationship um, and the long-term relationship you have with yourself because we're all in partnership with ourselves every day from day one to the last <laughs> as we go through these cycles of, of death, birth, death, birth. And you have to let love die. It has to be reborn. Yeah. It has to go through these potholes because when it comes back up, it's that much stronger. It's that it's purified. It has been... It, 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 it because you love is an indomitable force, right? It wants to come up. It wants to birth. It's like the flower that just wants to push up and be like, look how glorious I am, mm -hmm. but I have to go through this cycle. And so I feel like this is part of this transitionary space is this death, birth, death, like the skeleton woman. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's beautiful and to play upon, I love what you said about the Saturn piece. So just to say something real quick about my own life that really plays into it, like Saturn in Aquarius is stationing direct on my IC. I've been looking for a place to go to, to relocate for quite some time. And part of my trip is actually, we're going to go to a, a town Right after that wedding, we're going to go stay in an Airbnb in this other town to go check it out because it was on my my list. So mm -hmm. literally, I'm going to like look at this place that could be a potential the day wow. after Saturn stations direct on my IC and is ready to complete this. So, you know, who knows? We don't know how it'll turn out, but it's part of the storyline, right? We're getting Definitely, back to yeah. the storyline. Yeah, and I, yeah. I, I, and I hope, I hope that you whatever happens to you in that situation that you find something because it's there and astrology yeah. works whether you planned it to be there you elected the time or do or whatever or not it works i i i you know 
to be and know that you're part of a sacred system and and first and foremost when you let yourself go into that how empowering it is and how beautiful it is to go to what you said earlier about what love is um you know i i we all find the our lessons in that story and it takes a tremendous amount of courage and faith to let go into something that is potentially quote unquote dying or dead. So the cycle keeps going, like you said, with love and the story that you're mentioning, but it takes courage to do that. It, it, It takes like a leap of faith and it's a risk and a gamble. And it's sometimes part of a funny story that happens in the underworld story, whatever you choose when it's happening, because there at that part of the underworld, it's, it's illusionary in a sense at that peaking point. It's like you want to hold on to something and, and not let it go because it, it, it actually brought you so much power. It actually did good in your life. Nothing ever lasts. And can you recognize the moment of letting go of the thing that got you, that brought you so much? Because even that becomes poisonous. Even that rots and needs to fade away. And so can you find the courage? And and at that moment, can you completely surrender and completely let go to the process? And, you know, and that's, that's a thing. But again... You can, and and it takes the the ultimate faith, you know. But you do it. There's, I think, uh, oh, the love is deeper for you, first and foremost for yourselves. And if you happen to be in a relationship that's new or one that's ongoing that got through the transformation, you can look in each other's eyes and say, "Man, we we did that shit," you know, like. You know, I see you differently than I've ever seen you before. And um, I got your back and you got my back. It can play out that way. Or it's just with yourself and the world and how you just see the world with new eyes. But th- does it, it anyway, not to keep going on that, but um, I just wanted to, to mirror back to you uh, about your story of Skeleton Key and Love. And then, you know, um, the, the, what happens along the way in a story like this with Pluto, Venus, and then Sun, Venus, mm-hmm. uh, you're exposed anyway. You're going to be exposed and purified. As yeah. as we end the season with Venus <laughs> moving into Scorpio yes. to be eclipsed on a solar eclipse with the moon. You know, you could have ended it. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I'm like ranting, but it's no, funny because if you, you if you do transit calendar that you have or the chart you have, or I think even if you go one hour, whenever it goes zero, zero. Yeah, it goes. Yeah. Yeah, there it is. There it is. Yeah, there it is. And it essentially leads us. To that a few days later. Good times. Yeah. No. <laughs> and it is. It is, right? You know, it makes it makes life makes life worth living. <laughs> yeah. Um, never, never bored. So I'm going to pose the hardest question in the world to anybody, especially with Gemini planets. Nicholas, if you had one word to describe Libra season. What would it be? <laughs> Mirror. Oh, that's... yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's the word mirror to me. After all this talking, I had another word, by the way, before we started. Um, but I'm going to say mirror. And so you look in the mirror, one looks in the mirror, you look at other people and they mirror you. And what happens in that process and what is reciprocated or not reciprocated, what is communicated, not communicated, there's something going on. It's you, you and everything else and everything else in you. And uh, so I pick mirror. No, I think that's a great, that's a great yeah. one. I mean, that's where, that's where Libra lives. That's yep. where that seventh house energy lives. As we're Venus, you know, like there's, it, it is, it's like, and we live in a world of projections. We talked about this with Gemini energy too, and Mars being there and the twin. Like I yeah. think mirror is a big, big thing right now. Like, what do you see in the mirror? What do you see when you look at yourself in the mirror? What do you yeah. see when you see the mirror of the, of your loved one or the mirror of the stranger and what you're taking in from that example? It's like mm -hmm. everything, every, there's mirrors all around. Yeah. And the mirror yeah. teaches us about ourselves. <laughs> yep. That that's the I think that's what happens on this planet in the end. <laughs> it's a, it's the quest and how things are come back to you and what you do with it. So um You just yeah. made me think about I'm like, what if we we're just living in a big fun house? Like, <laughs> what if the, the the house of mirrors and they're just that's what we see. Yeah, we you see. know, there's a famous Ooh. scene. There's a famous scene in a movie that Bruce Lee made called Enter the Dragon. Mm. And um, he, in the beginning of the movie, his mentor talks about, you must smash the illusion. Okay. And so at the end of the movie, the bad guy, there's a very famous scene where it's all mirrors and the bad guy is trying to, they're fighting, but he can't see where he's at. And then there's a moment that Bruce Lee, the character, he has this moment and he hears the voice from the beginning of the movie is meant to remember it's, I don't know exactly, but to smash the illusions. So what he ends up doing is smashing the mirrors around him to get to the real guy. And, and that is the whole basic tone of the movie and, and the lesson. So, you know, I'm bringing up mirror. Do you smash the mirror? <laughs> I, maybe you do, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know, but still in the end, it's like we have the things that are reflected back towards us. And then we, we take it in and we I tried to sift through what is real and who we are, you know, and, and to, to eventually find that pure place, that, that purity of the essence of who we are. So, um, but it always starts with something outside of us. I, all I could think of as you were sharing that example was Mars square Neptune. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's what that is. Yeah, that's exactly that's, what that's that exactly is. Exactly what it is. <laughs> that is exactly like you kind of like summed it up in a better like. <laughs> that is exactly what it is. And as we get to the height of political season, <clears throat> the eclipse is coming. Like smash the mirrors, get yeah. smashed the illusion. Yeah, I, I love that. That's that's a great. That's a great. That's a great way. I'm like I'm trying to think of a word, but I don't even know if I have one. I I just really like that analogy. Um, yeah, it's, um, it's, it, it's, it's hard. Um, Ooh, going to be oh, all right geez. though. We're going to be all right. It We're going to be all right. Cause that's why, you know, you do something like this. You and I are talking to astrologers. We all have our different modalities. We communicate. Other people are listening. You know, we're just trying to figure it out. You know, we're just trying to do the best that we can. And, and but so it's all right to say like, Hey, we're going to do this. You know, we're, we're, we're on that quest. And, and maybe, and, and to remember too, that 
you can have fun on the quest too. That's right. So that's right. That's uh, it's like find the fun. I mean, it is Venus season, right? Yeah, she for likes sure. to play. She likes a little <laughs> pleasure. She's like, yeah. don't don't forget about that. Um, so maybe that may all use that word, pleasure. Find your <laughs> that's find actually... where pleasure fits in. <laughs> yeah. You know, like why you're smashing the illusions, why you're looking in the mirror. Like, don't take yourself too seriously. Don't take life too seriously, because that's a recipe for anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you could or, take no, but this guy, no, it's good that you picked that word actually to take pleasure in it actually and, and to 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 find the juice of it all. And the and you know, you don't want to forget that that's part of life. You're when you live on the if you push things to the edge or or you're pushing your heart and your heart and mind and everything to a place that there is a rush of life there, you're alive, you know. And 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 it's okay to go. You know what? I'm I'm alive. I'm take this. There's pleasure in that too. And 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 hell, if you could do it with somebody else, (laughs) why not? Why not? Oh my god, I love it. All right, Nicholas. I think we did a. I think we did a bang up job. We we went long. We yeah. Can you tell we have a a a Gemini planets conjunct? Yeah, I was just yeah. thinking, where's your Mercury? Yeah. Uh in in Leo conjunct Jupiter. Oh, that's right. But I, th- but I think my Mars is on your 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 Mercury. That's right, your Mars. Yeah. <laughs> so that being said, Nicholas, where can people find you? What do you got going on? What do you got to share? Um people can find me on my website first and foremost, sparklesofgold.com. I'm on YouTube at Sparkles of Gold Astrology, on IG, Pinterest. I've taken a break from social and going right back in this week. Um, you could find me at, at those platforms. I'll be doing videos. I, uh, I'll be uh, publishing some interviews with astrologers that I've done at Norwalk and the ESAR conferences where I ask them three questions mm. um, mm-hmm. and, and so on and so forth. But you can find me there, um, newsletter, so on and so forth. I even have a patron, um, hands everywhere. But sparklesofgold.com. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, you're going to have to go visit Nicholas. And of course, I will share his information over at uh, on a blog post at my site on energeticprinciples.com. You could also find me at Energetic Principles on Instagram, which I haven't been on very much. I'm I'm taking a I'm taking a social respite mm-hmm. uh, because it just feels right. And I know that there's a lot of people telling a lot of people out there that can help fill the gap right now. But hopefully, you're getting value out of the podcast and. All that we share here. Um, but uh, you might catch me there. You might not, but follow me just in case. Cause who knows? Um, what else is going on? Uh, actually there's not a lot right now for, I'm, I'm kind of getting ready for this vacation. I'm just living Mel's best life. And, uh, yeah. So if you think people need to hear about Libra season and all that we talked about here, sharing is caring, spread the good word, uh, share the podcast and the YouTube link, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you can also leave a review wherever you listen to this program. Um, hopefully a favorable one. Um, also, oh, I will say I do have my newsletter, the heavenly wind that will go out on, uh, October 1st. So if you want to sign up for that, you can do so on my webpage as well. I think that's it. Nicholas. Such a pleasure. To, yeah, to thanks for having me on. With you. Yeah, it's good. I'm glad we connected. Thanks for reaching out and, and for having me on, on the podcast. Uh, I think we did right. So, yeah. <laughs> 
We did it right. We yeah. did it justice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And let's let's actually end in this way, actually, because you have something around your neck. Oh, yes. Yes. And and it's we're pure Venus moment here, pure harmonization, pure, just pure love is happening right now. That's right. Feel the feel the Venus in our talisman group. We're sending it out to you. And we we wish it for all of you out there. And we wish you the best as we lead up into this eclipse season. It's going to be a doozy in the best way possible. (laughs) All right, everyone, take care out there. And as always, may the stars be with you. 